Yeah, I'm poppin' and I roll, ayy Smoke my shit, yeah, I'm so, ayy I don't really get no fucks a roll, ayy Hey y'all, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is the Frame of Flower podcast. Uh, this is a high design. Uh, it's connected to high design. I'm figuring out the name. Anyway, episode number 48, we are joined by an absolute legend. I'm so hyped for this one. It's midnight right now. We're starting the interview, but shit, I would do it at 3 a.m. I do it whenever, really, um, because this is a, someone that I look up to quite a bit and just has a really crazy story. And that is Champelli or Joe Pelly. Thanks for coming on the show, brother. Hey, man, no problem. Anytime, man. It's a pleasure. Uh, pleasure being on your show. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. We were so we were just talking right before um, we started recording, just kind of about because you're in LA right now. Um, just how like the proliferation of the LA can't like okay. Before you go on, I, I need I just gotta say my piece too because I was recently like I was down there about a month ago and like or a couple of, like I think that was like a few months ago and I haven't you know I'm still I'm still I'm 24 like, I'm still like I've been involved with cannabis for like since I was 14 but like the legal industry especially with like Cali I'm still learning especially LA my homie took me to like these certain areas of the city where like there's a whole entire business district specifically for the cannabis industry but like and that that being you know legal or legal it blew my mind like you know like whether it's you know so just that alone but like how, how have you seen la kind of develop uh in terms of cannabis? i mean you know over the over the last uh, uh you know few years it's been like it seems like a real you know proliferation of just brands you know brands are just really you know become more and more of a thing down here it's really it's I mean, it was always, it's been happening, you know, the legal thing down here, obviously, for a while now. But it's just like, it's really, this is kind of like the the place to kind of like forge your brand into the market, so to speak. Like the final step in a way of kind of like forging your brand and really being official in the quote unquote, you know, sort of industry in a sense. Like if you can kind of like, you know, break your brand here into the market and stuff. It's kind of a, it's a good look. It's not necessary, but it's just one of those things. A lot of brands are taking it as, is kind of a step, you know what I mean? Um, as far as just taking it to another level and just the, the amount of networking compared to other cities and stuff like that, you know, is unparalleled for cannabis at this point right now. Yeah. Depending on what depending on what you're trying to do of course you know what i mean but uh it's definitely uh it's definitely become a big uh a big uh, player in the industry and a factor so to speak you know to kind of kick it off here and yeah. uh you know take it to another level so to speak yeah absolutely i mean you know obviously like california by itself i mean it's the sixth biggest economy in the world you know so just right right away and then you know obviously you know california cannabis in general is kind of like you know it's what's you know people I, I still stick up for my home state of Washington state, but this is what most people think of where all of the cannabis really originally kind of was supplied to the rest of the country. Right. You know, we still send packs in Washington. We used, you know, I, you know, I always used to, <laughs> I was like, come on, we, we put up numbers too. And no, I'm just kidding. Not can't compare it against the, the, the sixth biggest economy in the world, literally beating, you know, it's, it's literally next to Germany. Um, but, you know, I do think that, it, like you said, the networking is pretty insane. I think the infrastructure is pretty insane. I think, too, one thing that I've really studied is, like, just kind of observed, I mean, is 
I think it's really like, for example, a state like Washington State, it's a small market. And I think when you go to a place like LA, your chances of building a following quicker and just because you're around more people, there's more people that can identify with your brand and just the overall, also just the culture of cannabis in LA is in, in the Bay unmatched, dude. Like yeah. this is like, it's getting, it's like religion a little, Not, uh, maybe I'm blown on proportion, but it kind of is like, you know, a certain, you know, I mean, yeah, it's so entrenched in the culture that, you know, and, you know, obviously in a lot of places, but, you know, LA is very, you know, I mean, counterculture in general, you know, synonymous with, you know, Hollywood and the music industry and the film industry. And I mean, you know, cannabis being, fashion industry it's all kind of tied so close to all of that you know so it's kind of hand in hand in a way you know and um yeah it's really it's definitely our thing yeah and those are all and you just named all those different you know those are all industries that like you know you're you're involved with right in a lot of ways right um you know when it's like fashion music you know maybe a little i don't, I don't know a little bit of hollywood maybe or um but do you think like cannabis is it's, it's obviously one of these things that enhances all these other aspects? Like it really goes well with you know, music, right? Whether it's creativity or, and then, you know, it goes well with, you know, it enhances really a lot of stuff. Um, and I digress to kind of ask the question. Yeah. I, think, I mean, it's yeah. just to throw it in there. I was just going to say, it's like, yeah, you know, cannabis is this common thread and conduit uh throughout so many aspects of our lives you know what i mean and and maybe you know you don't identify with somebody on one level but you can all agree on some good weed or whatever you know what i mean it's kind of like this common thread people have almost you know can use it or something like that where you can be like it brings all these different people from all different faith, so to speak, or, you know, or whatever, different walks of life together. And it's kind of always had a way to do the way of doing that. And I've always, that's one of the reasons, you know, I, you know, obviously just one of the reasons I gravitated towards it. And also just was able to acknowledge the power of cannabis as kind of a uniting force, even though a lot of that's kind of people have lost sight a little bit of that and what, uh, truly the cannabis culture is about and like where it kind of its roots come from and stuff, but it is kind of like a uniting force. And that's one of the reasons why in the past people were, uh, you know, governments and stuff like that were afraid of the cannabis and the culture and stuff like that because of its, its properties and its powers to almost like unite in a way and bring people together and, and honestly, uh, you know, wake people up and stuff. And uh, so, yeah, so, you know, it's definitely, like I was saying, it's just a common thread through so many different, so, so many different people's cultures and cities and countries and you name it, it hits, it's like kind of like a, a glue in a sense in so many different ways, you know? Yeah, absolutely, dude. I, I think, I think spot on. I think it's, you know, everyone can smoke together. It's like, you know, having a meal in, in, in a sense, it's just a different, you know, sus substance, su sustenance, I guess, but. Um, Breaks down so many barriers, you know what I mean? In so many different ways. It could be somebody, you know, a person, you guys don't speak the same language, but you know, you fire up somewhere and you guys, you know, some guy, I mean, it used to be before weed was such a commonplace thing, you know, you'd be somewhere and fire up and, 
somebody would run over and want to hit the joint or whatever, you know what I mean? And you kind of make a connection that way or something. Make some like new that. friends so, real quick. And yeah, yeah, you would. <laughs> in another country or wherever, you know, I mean, I've been like all over smoking weed in the past before it was like common place to really be smoked. You know, I always kind of like smoked everywhere and people would trip out, but, uh, where are those places? Where are like, those... Okay. Yeah. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Uh, I, so I, I do know you've been kind of all like, where were some of those places and kind of what some of those examples and, and um, you know, cause it seems like I, I saw, I saw the, the hyphiest picture, Loki, like it's like you, like '98, and like Amsterdam. Like I can't remember. It was something. It was. It was. It was like I gotta look it up, honestly. But it was like you with two checks, and like it, it was. I think it was like it's not, I can't remember what country it was, but it was. Oh, I think it was, I don't know if it was like the two checks. I might have been in. Uh, might have been uh, in Hawaii potentially, or something like that. It, I, I think I was somewhere I remember like it was kind of it was just like it was suave as fuck Loki I thought I thought it was somewhere um, um yeah yeah I mean I might have been yeah I might have been I, I done a sh I think I, I think I know uh I think I know which picture you're talking about it was actually in Hawaii I'd uh, I'd actually thrown a show with the outcasts when they had put out their album Equimini and uh, with a couple of partners and we'd done a show with the outcasts in Hawaii. And um, that's like at this place called the world cafe, I think where that photo was taken. And um, if my memory serves me right, if we're talking about the same photo, but yeah. I think I need to, I'll uh, find Interesting. Yeah. I think it was like Amsterdam look. It was something like it was in a little. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, a, there's a bunch of them out there. I've been looking. So like, yeah, it's just yeah. it seems like you travel. You seem like a very well traveled person. Um, you know. So and and we'll get into the. I'm I'm trust me. We're about to get into the music here in a sec. I'm I'm hyped on that. But what other places in like the around the world you've been and like you know, what are some unique kind of cultures when it comes to cannabis? Is there any, like that that you've seen outside of the U.S.? You know, I mean. Um... It's interesting because I mean, uh, you know, you know, I haven't been to a ton of spots as many as I'd like to. Uh, you know, there's still got a lot of places on my list, but uh, from an early age, I was kind of exposed to other cultures. Um, I was actually born in uh, born in Spain, so I kind of was like initially exposed to you know being born in another country as an experience there, and. Um, uh, so the Spain, Spain, of course, as you well know, and people know, has like very much a rooted, very much a cannabis culture there. Initially, it was like more hash culture than anything, you Morocco. know. But still, yeah. Like as a kid, my dad was growing a few plants on his balcony, you know what I mean? Um, back when I was a kid, you know what I mean? So it was, it was like just some swaggy leafy stuff, you know, that I tried to smoke. I mean, I actually did smoke and it was like little small kind of plants, nothing like the, you know, with crazy giant buds, but it was just some sort of sativa who knows where he gotten the seeds from, you know what I mean? But, but yeah, but you know, Spain is big, is turned into like another one of the uh, kind of weed capitals of the world really in a sense, you know, right behind like Amsterdam uh, you got, you know, Barcelona and even some, Southern Spain, which kind of shares the same uh, 
you know, the same latitude and longitude in a sense as California. So it kind of grows like, you know, super, super great over there in Spain. Yeah. Yeah. That's just one of the, one of the places where I've grown and got to experience the cannabis culture over there. Quick, quick question with that real quick. Um, and we don't have to, I don't, we don't go to, I guess, to it. It's really whatever you're, whatever you're comfortable with, I guess. But, um, in terms of, so cannabis, obviously they have like the cannabis clubs there, right. Uh, just like the, I know, and I have friends that have companies there. They've, they've opened up recent companies and, and I obviously won't say specific names, but like I was, they've told me like, or I kind of figured it out and I was like, I asked them and they're like, yeah, but like, you know, everyone it's, it's kind of, I mean, there's parts of LA like this, but like everyone's paying some fees to the mob, like to the, to the mob or, you know, to the, the, different- yeah, the, the social, the social clubs as they call them over there in, uh, in Spain, you know, it's kind of a gray area and you can, you know, if you're connected, you can buy a license and get a coffee shop. So, you know, so to speak and social club, but yeah, I mean, it's all, I mean, you know, in a way, you know, it's just like here in the United States, everybody's paying the mob too. So exactly. To There's just a legal, exactly. hundred yeah. you know, percent. Yeah. Basically is who you're paying, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you know, it all kind of trickles upward, so to speak, as long as, the, you know, the, the people up above are happy. And that's what it's always kind of come down to. Uh, now, all of a sudden that, you know, they've figured out a way to tax cannabis, you know, now all of a sudden it's okay for, to be, you know, all over and promoted and sold and, and so forth. You know, before it was, oh, no, no, it's big evil weed. You know what I mean? Uh you know, reefer madness uh, before when they didn't really have a way to tax it. You know what I mean? Now they're kind of figuring it out. Like, oh shit, look at all this dough. Like, wow, yeah. oh, it's okay now, you know. Uh, but yeah, in so many words, you know, in so many words, uh, that's kind of like what it comes down to. Like, so all these countries, uh, you know, if the government's able to figure out a way to control it and make some money off it, then then you know, they then it starts to be okay, basically, and that happens in you know. Obviously, in Spain, and then a lot of it is like different. You know, tighten it up even more. Uh, then you know they obviously start you know letting out the leash a little more and, and making it more. You know, finding a way to give more people licenses and make it more you know socially acceptable and so forth and taxable. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think this kind of just pops in my mind is, you know, I, something I talk a lot about and I feel I get the sense that, I mean, I think, I think, cause I've been watching some of your interviews as well, but like, you know, we're in this weird time period right now where culture has been around for so long, right. And it's been developing, it's been cultivating, or you know, however you, however you want to say it um, in the illegal side of things. Right. And now the legal has come to the forefront and it's just started its process of growing. So it's like you, you're trying to fit this massive thing in this small little uh, kind of parameter, you know, um, or not really parameter, but it's just, there's a lot of friction, right? Like friction is really, we're going to see a lot of people, you know, like, just like when I saw medical, like I, I worked in medical in high school, I was at the very end of the old school medical in Washington. And I saw like almost all my homies, my, my, my big homies, like lose their shops you know, literally, you know, we used to have a ton of, you know, different, uh, you know, black owners of, of dispensaries in, in Seattle, not a single one now. 
Um, you know, there's, you know, so, but, but really we're seeing this, 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 this continuous clash of like corporate with culture and eventually, you know, there's going to be some, some kind of weird hybrid between the two and probably corporate's going to be more of the dominant component to it. And it's going to use the culture to its advantage to, you know, industry plants, right. And, and, and so forth. But um, I guess what's your, I guess, what's your, what's your take on, on the, the movement of, uh, you know, who's winning, I guess. I mean, corporate's going to win eventually or like, you know, and not to, not to put sides on it, but there kind of is, we know who's corporate. We know who's at least, you know, the smart, the really, the, 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 a lot of the really, really successful brand companies are the ones like, you know, I love cookies and all, but cookie and cookies is one of my favorite brands. And they started, you know, within the culture and stuff. They've now kind of turned a little bit into a, a corporation. Now, Jimmy Devine, uh, shout out to Jimmy, by the way, he really, kind of made this clear is like there's a lot more nuance to like what we call corporate cannabis really because there are ogs that have like funded you know people with their with their trout money over you know over the generations and and stuff but you know i i yeah i guess i guess what's your what's your take on on i mean yeah yeah you know there's there's people that are coming you know like you say originally from the space um and going corporate and actually getting organized you know what i mean so really, it just a lot of times just means being organized, you know, in some sense. We, a lot of times what we say is corporate is like what we imagine is like, you know, Nabisco or whatever, you know, just giant, giant, uh, you know, corporations, a lot of the bigger, bigger players, which, you know, it's kind of like the consolidation is kind of what, you know, the government, you know, and the governing forces actually to their benefit, they kind of want to consolidate because right now they're dealing with so many smaller players and they're just going to make it harder and harder, you know, as it did just for the smaller players and smaller people and independent people in a sense, and people maybe coming from the culture uh, to kind of like have a place in the space, you know what I mean? Because to them, they'd rather collect one big check from, one big, you know, a few handful of big corporations. Rather well, is, is that necessarily true? Is that necessarily true though? Because a lot of them don't pay taxes, right? Like, like the big, big, big corporate, like more well, so. You know, and that, I mean, that, could be said, that could be said about like, you know, but if you look at it, that's just how, if that. Was it's true, like the funding instead. It's like, instead of, instead of the taxes, it's just the corporation giving contributions. Now it's that. I mean, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, they don't even, it's like almost, I don't even care about the taxes in the sense that you find yeah. other ways to, you know, legal uh, bribery. To, if you look at it right now. It's like, you know, I was like, well, you know, if you probably narrow it down, it's like, you know, five, six corporations that own quote unquote, like, you know, everything that's, you know, we associate with commercial, you know, anything here in the United States. And, um, and yeah, they probably don't pay any taxes, you know what I mean? It all goes, but, but, um, yeah, you know, I think it's, it's going to get more and more consolidated. Um, and I, that's why I really do think it's important for people to try to hold on to the culture and vibe of like where, you know, a lot of this stuff originated and like the people along the way who have suffered because of it, you know what I mean? Uh, minorities primarily were, you know, super affected uh, through the war on drugs. 
and just racism in general and just injustices in that department, you know what I mean? And so many people were just locked up and just lean or still locked up uh, for cannabis, something that is legal and, you know, a ton of states now and, and, you know, some states people are still getting life for cannabis, you know? So that just right there until we can kind of like, you know, even the playing field in that department and make sure people that, you know, have been affected by these laws have a chance to be in the space and maybe make, you know, a life and a living out of it. Um, I I think there's still a lot of work to be done, so to speak, you know. Um, It's just not, it's still not, you know, it's still not a fair playing field and it's going to become, it's going to be tougher and tougher. It's already hard to get in and get a license and get all your, you know, stuff together, even with like equity programs and stuff like that. It's still, it's still hard for people to, to, you know, make that transition if they want to, you know, there's people that are doing it, but it's still, it's still tough to, to do it. You know what I mean? And get funding and really scale it up and make it a, a business that's going to actually be profitable because now with all the taxes and everything going on, it's like the margins are so small, you know, and, um, or smaller, you know what I mean? For a small company, at least, you know, and, uh, they've kind of like the, the government is kind of they're helping the rich they're helping the big corporations really yeah they're helping the big corporations making it easier and then but they've also kind of pitted or you know the 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 black market against the white market just out of necessity so it's like they kind of need the black market to keep thriving or the traditional market to keep thriving in order to even keep the white market relevant. It's like one feeds the other, you know, so to speak in a way there and to keep the value there. It's like, it's really just kind of like a a weird, it's a weird dance at this point, you know what I mean? Um, And then, you know, our tax dollars that we're pouring in to, you know, in businesses, cannabis business and people who are buying cannabis, a lot of those tax dollars are going into enforcement of drug laws uh, cracking down on people growing traditionally. And I mean, some of them obviously, you know, are going out of control, not, you know, doing blatant stuff that is like, you know, not good for the environment or maybe doing stuff that's, you know, not in line with, uh, you know, local laws and stuff like that. But a lot of it is like affecting, still affecting people who are just trying to make a living and make a transition away for their families or it's just kind of ironic that you know a ton of that you know a uh, ton of that money goes towards you know fighting the cannabis industry but you know the underground industry as well you know so it's like you know these people who have probably a lot of people who have made it from the traditional market and are now in the legal market are still funding like the oppression of like other people in the space, you know, are still underground and just trying to pay their bills and, and feed their family. Hello, did we cut out? I think we froze. Okay, I have a little intermission here. So just had a little intermission there, a little problem with the um, connection, but all right, so um, let's go into uh, some of the like the let's go in a little bit of the music right now. That um, some of the questions I had. So right off the bat, who are some of the rappers you have relationships with? Um, some of the musicians, really, uh, uh, and then also, 
I guess furthermore, like let's let's I guess how did you get into music, and then we'll go into the relationships that you've kind of established. Um, well, you know, um, some of my early, you know, I've just been, you know, my father was an artist and I've always been just kind of drawn to creative stuff and uh, music just happens to be one of the kind of forms of expression that I was kind of drawn to. Um, uh, some of my earliest memories were just like Bob Marley and stuff like that. And I grew up with uh, like my brother's record collection and stuff and just, you know, messing with records and scratching and, and making mixtapes and stuff like that throughout the like the 80s so I was like kind of exposed to you know a lot of reggae and then when hip-hop started hitting like a bunch of like hip, you know early hip-hop stuff like the Roxanne Chante kind of battles and you know just old school kind of east coast hip-hop and then you know too short and, and I used to make mixtapes and stuff like that and um and scratch and stuff like that and so I was kind of like just you know always just kind of exploring music at a young age just kind of organically and um it just you know you can learn from just like listening to music you know if you really are paying attention and I was always just like noticed myself just especially once I started smoking weed too was like dissecting music and being like oh I really like this part or I like that part and I think that led to my ear for like sampling and stuff like that. And just like picking out unique sounds and like, you can like refine your ear and uh, you know, and, and like in hip hop or in any music too, it's like, I'm always, you know, hip hop is very like loop driven or very like unique sound stuff. You can kind of listen to over and over again, like hot pieces, hot parts of a song where you're like, the hottest part of the song, you just take that and loop it, the intro or whatever, like you'll like pick out the hottest stuff, you know what I mean? So my ears have always been like drawn to like the best little parts of songs, you know, like dissecting stuff. So that kind of like aided me in, in sampling and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I mean, I got involved early on, like I always, I mean, I took like guitar lessons when I was like a little kid, but kind of dropped those cause I couldn't really pay attention. I was just too busy wanting to play in the streets and just couldn't really just couldn't focus on that too much. But I mean, I, I must have still picked up a little. I'd always like pick up instruments when I could and just mess with them more. And I, you know, like a little piano, a little, little guitar and stuff like that, or some congas. There was always like a few little instruments around. And I never really was like, you know, classically trained in anything, but I kind of just picked stuff up on my own and just kind of, uh, learn that way and then um in the in the mid 90s i kind of started a uh you know a record label um and then from there i kind of just started making was going to putting out a compilation with the partner of mine and uh, from there i started making connections in the music industry and networking with more more musicians and artists and stuff like that and, and, and doing projects together and and just kind of networking my way that way, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, and just always even like, there used to be a lot more shows, of course, back in the days when a lot of artists were touring and concerts were a bigger thing. And I was always like at those concerts, like just being a fan of music with the right artists and networking with them and trying to always, always have kind of like some sort of, I always knew people who were throwing the shows being connected in San Francisco. and. I'd always find my way backstage or onto the mm. bus. I mean, I always have 
always kind of have the best weed. And so that's always like there goes that <laughs> cross connection with the with the weed thing is like the weed man's always got, you know, like kind of the the end, like all the artists want the best weed. And back then it's like weed wasn't as like, you know, the fire was scarce. Yeah, it was more scarce. The fire, the good weed was more scarce. So it's like if you had the good weed, it was like you had like an end, you know what I mean? A friend with weed is a, a friend indeed, basically. So yeah, so that was just uh I was just one of the one one another like basically another way that I kind of bridged the gap to a lot of different artists, you know what I mean? It's kind of like it was just just happened to happen to be happen that way too, you know, just having good weed and stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, you like like you're really one of the very first people just to, like like or I guess I'm sure this has been done. I mean, this has been done for I'm sure generations. There's all different types of stuff, but like with weed specifically, leveraging it into opportunities, and then you start to see like pre like then you start to see well, and then you obviously you're I mean some of the videos you have all these just in i have the i have the list here of just insane names right like just the you know like legends right but yeah. like then you're like and we'll get where i will go to that we'll go to that list of legends too i want to definitely hear it say but then you start to see kind of proliferations of like then you start to see like you know other people leverage music and cannabis and other things like i like personally like i'll, I'll be frank with you like like I, you know I, I was a trapper when i was younger if you were to ask me if i was gonna be on youtube three years ago four years like i would have laughed at you but I realize, you know, I, I, I'm leveraging the media, right? Like, you know, yeah, there's yeah. different leverage points. And like, yeah, you know, I think that, you know, like, yeah, I think that, um, I think weed's a really good tool. Like, you know, it's been a great tool for that. I mean, you know, it's like, just to say like, yeah, I'd say just to, yeah, just to play off of that a little bit, you know, weed is honestly, it's a tool and it's, it's all, honestly, it has some magic to it. You know what I mean? As far as just manifesting in your life in different ways, you know what I mean? I've, I found like weed throughout the ages is always, you know, kind of being like a rebel. I've always kind of been a rebel and kind of on the other side of things, as far as like society goes and wanting things to kind of do things my own way and make my own way and be kind of a maverick and a, you know, an entrepreneur and just kind of make my own way. And weed was kind of a way to do that. You know what I mean? It has been for years for a lot of people, as far as like, it would allow you to like, you know, make, make a way for yourself and still have time for maybe other creative things. Whereas if you had a full-time job, you wouldn't have time to maybe be creative or, you know, stuff like that. So it's like, you know, cannabis is a way definitely has provided and, you know, been a tool for manifestation and stuff like that throughout my life for years, you know what I mean? So it's a, it's amazing from, cause you can start from seed basically from nothing and create something, you know what I mean? And um, it's pretty, it's a blessing, you know what I mean? To be able to do that and, and uh, to have a plant that's so giving, uh, you know what I mean? And um, so that's why I got a lot of respect for it and a lot of love for the culture and and the weed itself and the the medicine essentially you know what i mean and um it's always been a provider and, and uh a tool for good you know what i mean as far as i'm concerned obviously you know some of that gets lost now a lot of it is just so commoditized commodified uh now you know everything's commodified nowadays dude you know what yeah. i mean like it's it's like we're commodified yeah. you know everything like to a kind of insane degree i think capitalism a little bit run amok but yeah yeah 
Um, yeah, kind of, you know, kind of, it kind of the message gets lost a little bit, you know what I mean? And uh, the importance of, you know, like I think a lot of the the magic and the, the message is kind of getting lost just because it's all everybody. It's a big money grab now in a sense, which is okay for people to be making money and stuff off of it. That's also part of it. But also at the same time, you know, you got to you know pay your due respect. I feel like to the, to the, just to the nature and plan respect it. And then, you know, make sure to, to, to use it for good also. And, and uh, you know, use it as kind of the spread, the spread the gospel in a sense. And, you know, it's always been for, it's always been used in the counterculture for change and awakening and revolution in a sense, you know, in different forms. Uh, and just, uh, you know, so I just believe it's good to just find ways to educate, you know, people and keep that, that side of it alive and in all the different other things hemp and, uh, you know, cannabis could do to help change uh, the world and society for the better if it's used the right way, you know, and, um, you know, you're smart as far as, you know, obviously, you know, all the different plastics and fuels and foods and all these different I mean, things. Henry Ford, yeah. right? That always blows my mind, yeah. right? Like that yeah, one, exactly. the whole car was like 90% of it was supposed to be hemp. Like literally not like yeah. the, from the fuel to everything, right? Like, yeah. um, which always blows my mind. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. That was 100 years ago, right? You know, yeah, dude. Amazing, you know? I know, it's like we took yeah. some step back, took, took some well, few steps back. Yeah. yeah, you know, in uh, you know, in uh, in you know, I mean, countries have a way of doing that, and governments have a way of doing that. Like, there's stuff in the '70s that would blow your mind that have just gotten buried. You know what I mean? And uh, they just disappear real quick because it's maybe not beneficial to, or it doesn't make me, uh for the right people or whatever. And there's a lot of things like that. So you know, and it's amazing how people how quickly people forget uh, the past and, and innovations, you know what I mean? They like, I see a lot of innovations and things like that that go unnoticed or forgotten. And uh, there's still a lot to be learned from the past and stuff like that. And, uh, and make sure, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these things get washed over basically, you know what I mean? And it's important for us to like keep the knowledge alive and stuff like that. And uh, you know, so anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dude. I, so like I initially started this YouTube channel, um, really because i want to help small business you know can't like aspiring cannabis entrepreneurs like myself you know just just kind of get conversations going i started out you know i'm more on the marketing i can't come from that side you you, you know marketing side really um but it's now kind of also i've really realized through kind of the storytelling is you know i think it's also in like you know the trap tree series you know that i do but you know it's different you know legal you know dealers and their story uh, that's to preserve, you know, the sacrifices and, and the timing. Cause it's like, you think about it, our kids, 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 it's going to be like alcohol for us, but even probably less, you know what I mean? Like, they're not going to realize like, bro, people died by this, you know, people getting their heads blown off for, a, you know, for this, you know, this or that, or, you know, just the sacrifice in general and just how, um, there was a lot of, you know, there's a lot that had to be, um, you know, sacrificed by a large group. Of people. I feel, yeah. I feel like, you know, everybody's life, everybody's lives, uh, everybody's life matters and everybody's story matters, you know what I mean, throughout the ages. And the way I look at it is like everybody's had, for example, in this, you know, culture and industry, it's like everybody's, if you're involved in cannabis in some way, 
you basically have a hand in building the culture and making and steering it, making it direction, taking it in a certain direction or evolving it, you know, and that could go, that could be said with anything that people are involved with in life. But if you go back through the ages, um, I like to point to the past, um, you know, cannabis has been used for thousands and thousands of years uh, in different ways through different cultures. Uh, more recently, um, you know, think African-Americans, um, you know, in the jazz, you know, in the 1920s, when, you know, jazz was popping, there was all these different names for cannabis. It was in songs. It was, you know, there was certain people that had it. It was like marketed in a way back then. So I like to point to them, you know, as be like, I'm, you know, on the shoulder of giants, basically just finding my way. And, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, it's just, it goes back to so many people, even just early, you know, I look up to all types. So when I grew up, I was kind of like, I kind of grew up in a, you know, almost in a way like old world still, you know, uh, not to totally date myself, but I was in, still in touch and around like all types of OG smugglers when I was growing up and stuff like that. And like all those stories and stuff like that is kind of like what I looked up to and was like, damn, this is a trip. You know, all these people like bringing stuff from the Middle East or bringing stuff from South America and Central America or from Asia. And like all these crazy stories that I kind of grew up hearing and looked up to these guys. Um, you know, people like Howard Marks, Mr. Nice, and then just people in my own family circle and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, and even like going back to like, you know, uh, my great grandfather was like a gun and rum, rum runner from like Cuba. Like he used to run guns to blockade Cuba. runner. Yeah, my, you know? my great, great grandpa was one too. He's a blockade runner yeah. uh, in the civil war, but um yeah, so it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So all this different kind of like history, you know, just just the importance of people's stories and history, and you know, um, and just being sensitive to that, and just all walks of life and facets of life in general. Like everybody's interesting. Like you know, all these old people that you know nobody pays attention to anymore all have a really interesting story and amazing history and lives, and you know what I mean. And I just, you know, implore people, if you got time to talk to some old people, whenever I have interaction with old people, it's just like, man, it's really interesting to try to talk to them and, you know, learn from them and stuff. And, you know, and a lot of them, you know, get forgotten in the hustle and bustle of the, you know, this modern society and stuff, but they're the ones that hold the keys, you know what I mean? Uh, to a lot of stuff. And that, that even goes back to like, you know, just that sort of knowledge and even, even deep on a deeper level, just indigenous people who have like, real uh knowledge of how to live in accordance with nature and live like the original ways which is kind of being you know basically um being washed over now it was destroyed right yeah Yeah, it's being destroyed and being erased and there's a reason why you know it's being destroyed and erased i mean you know this is this is like the true the true way of living you know what i mean respecting and living accordance with nature and um and i mean it's been been years and years that you know, civilizations and societies have been trying to destroy that way of life and all that ancient knowledge, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, keeping, keeping stories alive, keeping that awareness alive, respecting the culture and the elders, and you know what I mean? And and just, you know... Um, we got to understand history is... is, is, is history like, is, yeah, that's really very important. History is repeats something so much lies within there, and, you know, and I noticed, 
you know, now more and more everybody's kind of forgetting and, you know, and it's, well, it's uh, the revisionist. It's like some people have certain, you know, agendas maybe, or it just happens to get revived. Like that's why, you know, everyone, you know, I think having a, like having this all archived, you know, that's luckily, you know, this is bad and good, but you know, the internet age, right. I mean, shit, I literally got a Facebook when I was sixth grade or yeah. no, seventh, no, eighth grade. No, seventh, you know, like six, six, seventh grade. Like there's like, I'm like, my kids are going to see like, it's just, it's just, it's, it's good and bad in a sense. But like, no, I, I think for the most part, it's good as long as we don't try to, you know, you know, ignore certain parts or, you know, we have to really understand it all. And, you know, if there's missing data to that or there's missing pieces to that, which there's, I mean, if you like, you know, looking back on some of the, you know, shit that I was taught in school history wise, like y'all, y'all miss some pretty big parts, um, especially with American history. You, you, you know, you missed out a lot of parts where our government literally, you know, has been destroying the world. But, you know, yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. And yeah, dude, I, I think that I think that that's the really wise thing of, uh, of you to say. And, and um, I think you're I think you're definitely uh, spot on with that. No, and I feel more and more people are like with everything that's happening, I still feel like there is like. You know, uh, there has been like a big like awakening happening and stuff like that too. Though in general, like a lot of people are, you know, becoming more aware and just just kind of like the universal kind of connection in general with everybody and all of us as humans. Like, I mean, people are like you know evolving at like a different pace. Like, even if you have kids, which I don't, but I see people's kids like are super advanced now, you know what I mean? Like it'll be some little kid and they'll tell me like what they're doing or I'll see him and they'll talk to you and you'll be like, damn, was I, I don't know if I was like that as a kid or, you know, you don't really, I mean, some of these kids now are just so super hyper advanced and stuff. You know what I mean? There's, and there's, there's, but there's consequences to that too, right? You know, these yeah, people, yeah, there is for sure. Definitely. But no, but overall I think it's, it's a, it's a benefit um, and stuff, yeah, yeah. you know, hundred percent. Yeah. You know, um, in- Is out there now. Yeah, you cut you cut out there at the very end. Um, I think well, you're saying more more information is out there, like you say, yeah. with the website and more connectivity in a sense. So in one way, we are more connected, and, and there's more information kind of going around and more awareness about you know issues and stuff. You know, hundred percent, I definitely agree. So yeah. I want to get back into the music. So let like let's go into some of the relationships really because you know you know there's a video of e40 literally you know like what was he he got the what haircut like he's got the yeah that was like i hadn't seen 40 for like a bunch of years you know what i mean and then uh i mean he always i used to have long hair and braids yeah. and shit and you know it was always i had long hair and stuff and uh you know when he saw me i was super like clean cut had like basically like the kind of like your hair doing yeah yeah yeah, 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 clean cut, yeah. <laughs> you got the good boy haircut yeah but uh <laughs> you know 40s the 40s the guy man he's a real mogul and icon and somebody as i was growing up in the bay area uh you know learned a lot from and admired as far as like you know uh you know he's somebody i looked up to you know what i mean and learned from in a sense so one of my uh you know uh, teachers in a sense uh, through his music and just his example and everything and he's a super smart and deep dude there uh, that's you know made 
made, you know, built himself an empire, has all types of businesses going on and is super entrepreneurial and just super sharp guy. You know what I mean? And super cool, humble guy. Yeah. Uh, I think. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, E40, like, first of all, just, we got to do it. Ooh, I can't even do it. Right. I'm, I'm, I messed that up, but the, like, yeah, like, like, so, but he's a, per, like, I think he's a great, in like a great example. Like, you know, he's obviously a pinnacle. He's like a, you know, a, a major figure in, in the Bay area and Bay area music, but he's like a great example of someone and like that in terms of representing the Bay where he's some like, okay, like literally tell me another rap right now. That's got his flow. That's ever had his flow. He's unique, dude. Unique as hell. And he's and he's made it work. He, you know, he's just made this like amazing, like like really like tell me another rapper. Like I, you know, like I don't really think there's like anybody has his kind of like his kind of flow. Now there's like the bay, the new kind of modern Bay Area like flow that's kind of like everyone's stolen the, the like the, 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 like anyway, but like that's a great example of E40 and like the Bay Area in general. Is there's so much kind of creativity and uniqueness, I think, and then that's you know the whole idea is like people come to the Bay Area, see all that, take it back home and steal it. Right. But like, I, I think E40 is definitely just, just with his music, uh, you know, I, I think he's a great example of that. Is there, what, 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 what do you think makes just the creativity? Like, what do you make, like, what do you kind of, how, why do you think that the mute, like a lot of the, the, the rap specifically too, is, is so unique, I guess. Um, I mean, you know, Bay Area game, it can't be duplicated. You know, he's always been an innovator. And I mean, since, you know, the click and since, uh, you know, Federal, uh, which was one of his one of his first one of his first albums, you know, that I was kind of really listening to. He's just always been on some push, you know, linguistically, uh, you know, some might may call it Ebonics or whatever you want to call it. Um, but he's always been pushing the pushing the, the buck as far as like innovating language and lingo and language. And, uh, you know, the Bay Area has always been a big hub of that. And that's from, you know, all him and just the streets. Uh, Bay Area is very unique, you know what I mean, in that sense. Um, and, uh, you know, to try to try to really pinpoint it, it's hard. It's, it's a lot of different, obviously, obviously uh, African-American culture there in the Bay Area. Um, there's so much, so many people came from different places, um, in the thirties and forties and fifties, you know, from the South and brought so much different, you know, language from the South and different stuff there. It's got so many different influences. It's such a rich place, you know what I mean? And, um, and so many creative people that, that have come out of the Bay area and affected the world, uh, you know, in so many different ways, I'd say, um, whether it's at this point technology, uh, you know, even film, uh, fashion, uh, music, you name it, like so many, even sports, like, you know, the Bay Area and then weed, of course. So it's like everything, the Bay Area has kind of like excelled and driven the culture in so many different ways um, and been like, you know, kind of like trend-setting very much a trend-setting sort of spot, you know what I mean? It's definitely, and it's bred trendsetters and bred entrepreneurs and like independent thinkers and independent, you know, hustlers and people who want to have their own, start their own business and do their own thing. And I mean, it's like, um, I mean, I have to like attribute a ton of my game to the Bay Area just because it's like, 
you know, it's like I do music, I do clothing, I do, you know, I breed strains, I do, you know, I mean, I shit, I mean, I do video, I do photography, I, I'm just like, I'm kind of like, I'm just kind of like a jack of all trades in a sense. Um, and always, you know, like even with my music stuff, always kind of kept it independent. And part of that is also like from a music perspective, like there hasn't ever been a ton of uh, industry, so to speak, in in San Francisco or in the Bay Area. Like all the industry kind of moved to L.A. At one point, there used to be a little Hollywood and, you know, the Bay Area and San Francisco and stuff like that. Or there used to be more when there was more money in the music, there used to be more labels and more record deals and stuff coming out of the Bay. And there actually used to be more clothing industry up there as well, but it all kind of shifted to LA for the most part, as far as film, as far as music. And so that, and it kind of created a vacuum and all that opportunity uh, for, as an outlet for, for, uh, for Bay area people kind of disappeared. So the Bay Area people kind of had to take it upon themselves to like do it their own way. You know what I mean? And that's what kind of forged people like E40 and all these other kind of entrepreneurs and different people who just kind of took it upon themselves to create their own lane and innovate their own things and kind of like chisel out their own, you know, empires and their own and take it into their own hands. So that's why it's always very independent and very innovative and, uh, I think that has a lot to do with it there. You know, there was no, you know, big industry kind of nursing stuff in a way. So people really had to get down in the dirt. And that's why you got a lot of creativity there too. People just, you know, struggling to make it and create some sort of thing for themselves. Yeah. Can I say something that that was the best and out that I think you're spot on with that, dude. I think that I've (laughs) that no, because literally I think you're spot that that's, that's that's pretty brilliant. Cause like, well, if you look at like the music industry or you look at all industry, whenever you see corporate co- corporations get involved with it, like for, for, for example, for example, we see radio back when it first comes in, right? Corporations slowly seep in, they realize the potential radio sucks. Okay. Now we're going to the streaming platforms. Corporations get into that starts to suck. It gets payola, right? Like, it even goes back to, yeah. So it's like some of it's like that subsidized sort of thing. It's like getting a welfare check and not wanting to change anything because you got it made and you're just getting a check. So to speak, using that as an example, like, but it's like George Lucas, like he had to find a way to finance, you know, Star Wars and all these movies when he, you know, first starting off, he didn't have Hollywood there and he wanted to keep it in the Bay area. You know, you got Steven Spielberg, you got George Lucas and, you know, I mean, a host of other independent film people you know what i mean and, entrepreneurs uh, you know like like you're saying entrepreneurs, and I mean, even coming up in the 90s like i was around uh you know when i was just still in the streets kind of just hustling doing the weed thing like i was surrounded by all these different people doing uh independent clothing things and independent skate companies and this is like in the very early 90s and uh, you know i was adjacent to that and i started my first kind of clothing idea in about 93 or something, I'd say, I kind of started a little small kind of company around all these other different brands that were kind of doing their thing. And uh, so, you know, uh, that was me just soaking up the clothing game back then and always kind of being kind of, you know, uh, fashion orientated and kind of, so it's kind of uh, interesting, you know, just kind of all these little different industries there that, kind of work you know independently and on their own i think that's a i think that was a really good expert like because that 
Yeah, that clicked for me, dude. Because I think you're right. I think the entre because the just the entrepreneur, like the hustler, the individual, the the you're not you know you have to make it on your own. So you're gonna you're gonna just inherently you're not gonna follow a path that's already been designated. You know, there's no there's no like incentive structures built there by entities like corporations necessarily. That's a really I actually I think that I think you I think you hit that on the head, dude. Because yeah, and I mean, that could be said for a lot of places that don't have the resources of, you know, uh, and stuff like that. You know, it's going to breed, you know, a certain type of person that if they're really about it, you have to be, you know, very, you know, um, just driven and focused on, you know, whatever you're trying to go for and you have your mind made up, you know, and create your own lane. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. and. You know, we got it. So, you know, I, when we talked on the phone the other day, I kind of said, or I told her, you know, I kind of see it like Seattle in a sense is like kind of a miniature, a miniature version of the Bay in some, in some ways, in, in a lot of ways, in my opinion, the geography in, in a lot of ways, pretty weirdly similar. Um, not exactly. Yeah. Pretty similar, but, but just like, there's a lot less, there's a lot less people. So it's, trust me, like, I think Seattle's up next for like, in the next 15, 20 years, but like, you know, the Jacka and all the other, you know, a lot of the rappers, they come up to Seattle and there was, you know, um, you know, connections there as well, but, you know, and that I think kind of, you know, like with slang, right. Like I think we share, you know, I'd be interested, like, I'm pretty sure, you know, the Bay and Seattle, they definitely share a ton of, ton of slang. Um, So it's a West coast, it's a West coast uh, thing. So there's the extension of the, you know, the West Coast there, and uh, yeah, no, it's like music, and, and uh, like you say, and also even geographically being there, kind of a port yeah. city in a sense. Yeah, and, uh, 100%. You know, well, and that and that kind of leads me into like, you know, like I was telling you on the phone the other day, like, you know, when I went to high school, the the, the pop and music at the time, they were kind of like force fed was like trap music, like Gucci, Flocka, you know, that, that you know, the Chief Keef era, like that was kind of the beginning, like, of my high school kind of so we were kind of forced by that but what was always prevalent there was you know well you know you know god right like mag dre right like the, the you know mag dre uh, a lot of bay area figures um and that's where I, you know i i think that you know it comes from multi different things you know the jacket was up up in seattle quite a bit um but let's get into mag dre though dude like, like how what's your what's your relationship with mag dre um how did you get to like you, you obviously spent a decent amount of time with him in the, uh, yeah. the past? And, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, Mac Dre, man, rest in peace. Mac Dre was a you know a unique, uh, unique person, a, a unique soul, you know what I mean? In this world, just a real spark of light. Um, just another, you know, another another person who was a game changer, you know, every now and then you get these people who come along in history and life and everything and just have a certain spark for him that's you know spark to him that's different than everybody else and um you know he was one of those people and uh when i first met him and you know and even before i i'd been listening to his music uh you know california living and all his different original albums that he's making outside of the jail over the telephone line and i mean i just grew up listening to that stuff you know uh before i even met him um so to actually meet him and be able to do music together and stuff like that. This is, uh, I had met him through Mac Mall and, 
uh, it's interesting. Uh, that's the homie Mac Maw. Shout out to Mac Maw. Shout out to the Crest Side, Doobie, aka Sugar Wolf, and uh, of course, yeah, Mac Dre. So, um, yeah, man, it was just a blessing to be around the guy. You know what I mean? He's just real funny ass dude. Always had some funny shit going on. Super fly, super innovator. You know, super ahead of his time with everything the way he thought. And I mean, if given the chance to still be here, man, it's like uh, you know, the world would be a different place, and the music would be a different place. Sure, uh, if he would have had to, some more years uh, to continue on with what he was building and doing there, so he was gone way too soon. Um, actually, when he passed away, I was actually out of the country, um, and we were we were actually still in contact. I was like, uh, I was actually in Europe and I was producing some stuff for him. Um, when actually I got the news that he had passed away, but uh, but yeah, you know, I first did my first music with him there for a compilation. I mean, my partner were putting together when uh, when he first got out of jail, the first time he got out of jail, and, uh, and uh, we, we he hit the studio, and um, yeah, it was, uh, after that it was on from there as far as like just rocking together and being cool. You know what I mean? It was always super uh, a ton of love and uh even after i left the country in 2001 he uh i mean you know you know uh he he kept alive and, and uh you know my name popping in his music and stuff like that you know uh, up until the day he died in a sense you know and i keep discovering songs where he's talking about champelli and champagne and uh you know what i mean i gotta i gotta uh I always my debt of gratitude to him and his family and um you know what I mean uh, always and that's I feel like to a lot of people that came uh that would touch my life and stuff like that is a lot of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today and pushing on and give me the strength to kind of carry on it's like man people that aren't here in your life anymore you know I feel like you owe them to like continue on and, and, and make them proud and do something uh that's bigger than you uh, you know what I mean, and uh, stuff that they want would want to keep keep see see you keep doing and, and to keep doing themselves even you know what I mean, and so so I really you know want to keep uh, people's names like that alive. Uh, a lot, I lost a lot of friends in this life, you know what I mean, um, music and family and just other you know different other relations, but also just a lot of a lot of senseless death and senseless violence. Um, you know, people that, um, you know, should still be here with us today, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. What, you know, whether it's health stuff or just, you know, a lot of it is just the senseless death stuff is, is you know, I could see if health or, or, you know, nature takes you out, then that's one thing. But, you know, just for your life to get cut short because of gun violence or uh, something, something like that is just really, uh, is really a shame. Yeah, it's, so much promise and so much future, you know, ahead of them and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've had I've had a good number of you know different people I've known slash you know some some close friends have been you know murdered and stuff and you know it's it's sad it's 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 it's, it's yeah it's it's um you know it definitely yeah I mean uh, I just actually did, uh, uh rest in peace Gonzo who was actually living up in Seattle that was I saw that yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. That was my good friend for over 20 years right there. And, uh, we did a ton of music together. And I was like, you know, 
family are like one of my best friends there for years. And um, he'd moved up there kind of almost to get away from the bullshit and, and, you know, ended up, ended up catching up with him and following him up there, you know? Um, so, you know, it's kind of a shame, but yeah, more, more senseless kind of, kind of violence and stuff. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm, so I'm sorry about that. Your loss, by the way, too. Um, yeah. Um, you know, kind of going back to a little bit with Mac Dre, you know, I, I do, I do want to like, I think that, you know, people like yourself have kind of kept, you know, kept, you know, him alive in a sense. But the music too is, is it, like, you know, like Honor Nicotine is my brother, you know, Honor, Honor Nicotine is my brother's favorite rapper. You know, he's been, you know, putting me on him for, forever. And it's like the whole thing. My homie, my homie's a rapper up here. He's like, you know, Andre Nicotina taught me how to smoke. Mac J taught, you know, taught me how to pimp. Like, you know, but like that, like, they, like his music in general, like the fact that, you know, we're bumping, you know, and then and, and not say they're like, they're like massive. I mean, there are definitely differences, but like the fact that we're bumping, like, you know, uh, some Gucci, you know, back, you know, some young scooter, some future. And then some, you know, since 84, you know, like, like, you know, it just, I think it's a test, you know, testament to his music. And like, you know, you hear people like Drake, like talk about Drake being like, you know, Matt, like he says Mac Dre's influence on him, you know, when it, when it comes yeah. to, Mac and, and um, you know, it's. It, yeah. He's a, you know, he's a, he's an iconic figure in the culture and he, uh, he made timeless music. You know what I mean? That uh, we're able to, you know, cross over and touch a whole a whole lot of people, you know, and um, not too many artists can do that and relate to, you know, to so many different people and, 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 and you know, have their legacy live on like that and stuff. And Dre was, Dre was definitely one of those people, you know what I mean? It has a big, a big influence on the culture and then definitely left his mark, you know what I mean? For sure. And that's one thing he'll always live on through his music and, and that legacy that he left us, you know what I mean? 100%. I hope you show my kids Mac Dre, you know, like. I'll live Mac Dre, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> he's absolutely. Gonna... This is what it is. Yeah. This is what it is. Yeah. Shit, dude. That's, yeah, it's crazy, bro. I just, yeah. I, like, that's, and like, and that's, like, that was such a big part of, like, I, like, I, like, I was just at my homie's, like, like, uh, you know, birthday dinner, you know, you know, I, I grew up kind of, this, you know, central district, I, you know, I went to a school that was, you know, I think it was like predominantly black, right? 50, 60%. But like, I was just, I was, you know, I went to a very, just a really diverse school, but like, you know, I'm talking all raised, like we were all bumping Mac Dre, like everyone, like all, and like I was at my homie's dinner and I was telling him, I was like, yo, like, you know, like, yeah, like she only seen me with Champelli treat. Like he was like, what? And like, I've been telling all my homies that because it's like, you know, how many times where we've been in like house parties, bro, like sing, like singing along, like it's like she never, like, and I've like said that line. And then it's just, you know, that's like another, like, that's like a, one of the big things was, I was like, I was so excited for this interview. Like just, just that kind of like. That's yeah. one of those things. Mac Dre is kind of like, he is, we, he's kind of like weed, you know what I mean? In a sense, he out here in the Bay area, you know, it'll be like a party, a day party or a night party or somewhere in the club. And it's like, everybody's going to turn up. It's kind of like this unifying force. Everybody can come together on. It'll be blacks, Asians, Samoans, Whites, Chinese, Mexicans, Latins, you, I mean, you name it, everybody's going to start gigging and, you know, dancing and going off, you know what I mean? Literally, uh, dude. You know, Everybody hears the, 
as soon as that shit kicks in, it's gonna, it's about to go, it's about to go up, you know. 100%. What you're the, the, there, there, there's a, there's a few quintessential like beats from like the, from, yeah. from Dre where you hear, hears they go, oh, yeah, just, yeah, I know exactly what you mean by that. Yeah. Um, no, that's, yeah, dude, yeah, I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm a, that's like literally one of my, you know, Mac Dre, I've, you know, definitely one of my favorite rappers in it, of all time for sure. And, oh, yeah. We are just like a weirdly big part of like part of like what we listen to. And I, I now that I'm like reflecting back on it and thinking about that, like, bro, we were about in Chief Keef, like hate me. And so like, and, and not say like there was like, but that lasted that long. And I, you know, it's, it's telling. And, and like, I, I carry like, you know, I care like, you know, deeply about like Mac J, like, like the, the music and, and, you know, obviously. And then, you know, on and on as well. But like, I'm curious, what was your what's your kind of take on like you know like like first of all the like one of the classic albums of all time Andre and Andre right like these mm-hmm. kind of two opposite like they're kind of op- opposites in some way they're, they're so unique both flows and, and, and yeah yeah and, you know um, yeah that, that's an amazing album right there for sure yeah two unique unique very unique characters and unique flows and uh, you know for sure that's that's super uh, it's super dope that they had a chance to get together and, and make that music, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Um, so I want to go. So some of the names that I saw that were listed. So E40, um, Memphis bleak, Benny yeah, Siegel. Memphis bleak, that's the homie shout out to Memphis bleak, you know, and, uh, in the warehouse, uh, music, Warehouse Music Group and Rock Rock Nation, Rockefeller Records, and everything. Let me let me ask you this, dude. Let me let me ask you this. Do you think that uh, Jay Z mishandled Memphis Bleak or or? You know, I mean, that's a good question, right there. In my opinion, you know what I mean. Uh, Memphis was kind of like one of these underdog rappers. Like I feel like, given more more push and more attention, you know what I mean. you know, he's a laid back dude that's super humble at the same time. Uh, but that's like the whole saying in the his, in the in the music industry, right? That like that's that's what I remember I've, I've heard, right? Yeah, that's- you know, I mean, yeah, he, I feel like he could have got a bigger push and done a lot more numbers and been a bigger artist than he was. You know what I mean? And he did he he did a lot of stuff and it was huge um, as it is. But I feel like yeah, he to me at least I felt like he could have been bigger you know what i mean as far as like he could have got more he deserved a bigger push you know what i mean and okay. you know and that was that's always tough is like a, you know sometimes as a label um you know people don't make the best you know decisions if you got like somebody who's like a jay-z like the focus is going to be on jay-z mainly you know the ovo sweatshop you heard about that right? like well you know like the whole it's pretty much the design is like the entire like uh, label is just it, it's a it's a pyramid right and it's yeah. all built up you know like why is party next door not a superstar like you know like all these yeah. other you know it's the danger of being you know under somebody who's larger than life and is already an icon it's like there's no real interest in you know them this could go for anything and it's maybe not even a personal thing but it's just a business strategy and it's like they have to push their main guy who's working to the forefront. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as much as Jay fucks with Bleak and vice versa, and as big as I think Bleak could have been and bigger than, you know, uh, you know, 
bigger than ever than a lot of these artists out here. Like, it's just like one of those things, the way the cookie crumbles, you know, and like you say, like Drake and other situations. I mean, it could be even said for, you know, Mac Dre and other artists in his camp or, or whatever, you know. So was that, like, was that the case? I'm, I'm curious. Like, I just don't even know. Like, I don't know. Was yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Dre was, you know, he was really excelled. I mean, there's other dope artists in the camp, you know, I mean, as far as like that goes. But I'm just saying, like, you got your star was so big. It was so, it was such a big, like, you know. Yeah, well, you got your star player. You're going to pass him the ball, you know what I mean? And make sure they run it all the way as far as they can before you start fo focusing on anybody else, too, in a way, you know. So that's kind of like. You're not going to take the spotlight off your star player if he's, you know, putting up numbers. Kobe's going to, you know, run up the numbers or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, it's kind of sometimes it can be unfortunate and uh, for the artists and stuff like that that end up falling kind of to the wayside. Don't get the proper shine that maybe they could have deserved, but they play their part. And, you know, they play their part in uh, in history and also supporting the other artists is just like an overall look and, you know, and, and just, just in general. And, uh, you know, they even have a good time and are along for the, the ride, so to speak. But um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think it kind of, you know, which kind of pops into my mind is it a little bit like, you know, now it's and it's not a bad it's not a bad thing whatsoever if you're, you know, you're 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 not the lead like you're part of the you know helping that person supporting cast members yeah that's not a bad thing like that's not no but but like it also kind of goes back to like you know the whole idea we're talking about with like when there's a corporate infrastructure that or like there's a structure there like yeah. that you're now being interjected into you can't create your own structure um like you were saying you know like maybe Memphis bleak should have gone into you know been you know not so close you know to jay you know where you know, you know, so it's it's kind of that risk and reward, I guess, of you know, um, you know, taking that chance and 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 yeah, there's you know, there's unfortunate situations that you know just. Something. And I'm still pushing. I'm still pushing Bleak to try to come out with an album right now. I still believe he can come out and do his thing. You know what I mean? And uh, he's like, ah, nah, he's focused on his own label. Uh, you know, uh, wash uh, the wash house. I mean, excuse me, warehouse music group and. Mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? And uh, he's focused on that and he's got a whole roster of artists over there. So everybody keep their eye out for, you know, uh, Warehouse Music Group and all, all their stuff up and coming. So even just focused on other artists and stuff like that. But yeah, I still believe him in his, as an artist and he's super dope lyrically and stuff like that. He's sitting on tons of songs that he just doesn't even release. You know what I mean? But uh, Well, you see people like, you know, you see like groups like Griselda, you know, like there's a resurgence. Yeah like a modern version of like the lyricist that's been you know i know he's a super he's super lyricist you know i mean just saying like beanie siegel or you know a lot of these guys still could really make another push in my in my eyes you know what I mean? especially nowadays like you know like like i like i studied music music business quite a, just because i'm just fascinated and i uh, i just always have but um you know I personally like. I think like I, you know, it's like I, like I would definitely be independent. I, like I, I think, you know, there, there's definitely benefits to it. But like I, I think I'm, I'm, I have the diligence to work hard enough to build up the catalog to then leverage against into a small distribution deal. Get all the, you know, it's like you want to build the fire and then have the record label use them for like a couple of years, have them pour the gasoline on to get you the stuff that you couldn't get, and then you're leaving, like you know. But just and I'm learning this. I'm learning this through the internet. You know, like this is like through you know, shout out to like, you know, people like Russ and, and, you know, um, 
you know, I was, I think I was talking to, it was in LA, it was shooting a show, like Redman was staying at in, in our, in our, uh, uh, this, this like huge Airbnb that, Airbnb that we're staying in. He, he took my room actually. I got, I got low key. I got like, I like didn't wash my dish and like Redman got on my back about it. It was actually hilarious, but, um, <laughs> it like actually just kills me. Um, but, uh, where was I going with that? God damn it. Um, Oh no, did I just lose my train of thought? No. Just Redman, Airbnb, uh, just, uh, you know what I mean? Just being independent and taking that yeah. name, you know what I mean? Um, well, yeah, I think there's something to be said with about, you know, taking that independent route or like letting the labels kind of build you up. And more so now, you know, it's like the music industry is is tough right now as far as like there isn't a lot of label support and you're not going to get the same label support as like old artists used to get you know with million not getting the 13 million dollar budgets right yeah all that is gone now so now, now it's like you really it is like a prove yourself sort of uh get out there and forge your own wave and it really does force once you maybe get like you know a bunch of millions of views and followers and stuff like that now a label will come and check for you and try to get you and sign you. But a lot of artists are like, shit, I built this all the way. I got a crack. And if you get that far, it's like, what do I need a label for? You know what I mean? Unless they're really trying to bread you out. So it's like that point, um, you know, it's like in the past, you know, like obviously it was beneficial and they would build up artists, but now it's like a label. They're not really spending the money to build an artist out of nothing anymore barely you know what i mean they're just yeah. not even it's you know they're doing they're, they're doing high volume they're doing high volume really you know. yeah yeah they're gonna let you do your thing and once they see you got a wave then they'll come and you know fuck yeah with you that. like they'll they'll invest in a bunch of different artists you know they'll throw little amounts in it like that and then, yeah, um, yeah. They and, do little small things if you take off get your couple videos and put your album out now it don't cost anything like it used to to put you know somebody out and give them like a little push it's all just on the internet, you know, before yeah. it was like, you know, you the had distribution to really fees, yeah. right? The distribution, yeah. <laughs> like if you press a button, like <laughs> so much, you know, so much money and stuff, uh, you know, and wasted money also and just inflated costs went into like pushing artists and stuff like that in the past. You know? No, a hundred percent. And I also just remember too, like I was when M80, he's like, I think the former manager of like Wu-Tang or whatever, yeah. I, I brought up Russ and he was like, oh, you know, the one who really did it right was Macklemore. And Macklemore, you know, um, you know, he like in terms like that dude made a killing. Like he got the whole that whole Grammy nine month, like that was all yeah. independent, like pretty much. So, you know, you can yeah, make a ton cool. of money if you can if you can really but I remember, you know, like I'd seen Matt like I'd seen Macklemore, you know, all the time, you know, for years and years and years, all across Seattle, you know, doing little small performances. Like, you know, it's like, oh, there's Macklemore, you know what I mean? And then, you know, he put in 10, 15 years and it all, you know, eventually, you know, it, it, it all culminated. And then he had all this leverage to, you know, in my opinion, when you're dealing with corporations, especially as a, as, as a creator, you have to use them or they will absolutely use you. And, and these, you know, these, these new these, these record labels, like the 360 deals, these like, you know, these, these, these contracts that some of these people are like these, these kids are signing, it's predatory. It's been, I mean, a lot of the time like the, the history of like music the music industry is the history of being kind of predatory in a sense right like you could make that argument 
Yeah. Man, I mean, yeah, you know, it goes, I mean, these, some of these contracts go, you know, it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, some of these contracts are no joke, you know, basically, you know, equal slavery in so many words, damn near, you know, some of them were like, equate with, you know what I mean? So Ma- Masters, right? Like, oh, I own your masters. What? Yeah, you know, like- yeah, you know, so... I mean, throughout time, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's been, it's been pretty ugly and you really got to be on your business and be on your, on your shit. And a lot of music, a lot of uh, success for artists, you know, depends on really, you got to be a businessman too, and really know all your business side of, of the music stuff. Just being an artist alone nowadays isn't enough to like secure your success. You know what I mean? You got to be smart and savvy business wise too, to really get or have some people around you that are really in your corner who are going to really hold you down and make sure your shit's on point. If not, you know, you're not going to really stand a chance. Cause especially nowadays, it's like, you're counting like micro pennies. You got to add up now uh, through streaming. And it's like, you know, left and right, they're just devaluing music. So you really, it's up to you to really be on top of and diligent about like all your just micromanaging all your, all your little streaming revenues and licensing things and like all that, you more and more, you have to be super on top of that. If you really want to make any money. And especially now it's like, since there's not a lot of concerts and shows, like that's where it's at is like licensing things. Yeah. hundred you know, percent. It's like shows like Macklemore, he was able to like build up, you know, hit the college circuit, do a ton of different shows and, start building up and doing more major shows like that's like you know touring is like you know in merchandise and stuff like that used to be like one of the mainstays and one of the ways that artists would actually be able to truly make a living outside of like the record sales you know yeah Um, and like now that's taken a pretty big hit like you know the music industry honestly is in like is in a really super hurt position right now um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, I mean, it's well, hard. The artists are, I'd say in a sense, right? Like more because, yeah, the, because now, because after they figured out the street, after the record labels figured out like how to make money from the, cause they were, they were hemorrhaging money after like Napster and stuff. And like, they didn't know how to deal with it. And then they finally, the, like the, the record labels are making like universe, like the big three are making, they're making billions. Now, like the, the artists are, a lot of them are going broke, you know, like, yeah. and, and I think an adaptation of that, and I've kind of heard this from, people uh that have said this is that like if you're you you can't nowadays you cannot be like hey i'm gonna like forever be able to be a musician and make money off it's sad to say that but it's like you need to it's really build use use the platform to then leverage yourself into other you know whereas i leverage media you know you leverage cannabis or you leverage like we leverage art or, or you know that it's like you're leveraging your platform you're following you know your influence to then you know, get into business endeavors. Like you look at all the richest, you know, rappers, right? It's not from their music, you know, like. Yeah, you gotta have 10 different, you gotta have, nowadays you gotta have 10 different gigs going on, basically. I mean, even when I like, it started, you know, my uh, my record label in the, you know, mid nineties or whatever, you know, we built it up and released, had a few releases and stuff like that. Um, but that's like right when, the music industry crashed basically 99, 2000, you know, and Tower Records and all these different distributors and Napster was online, you know, came online and even there was like a big transition in music in general, like everything went to digital, like Pro Tools and two inch tape, analog tape was like when it was started to go obsolete. Like I had just bought a, 
two inch tape machine for 20 G's yeah, and like, well, it was like pro tools, you know what that's I mean? Next year like, pro. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like pro tools. So then it's like, I had this two inch tape machine, which I did. I'd done a lot of my music that I did originally is all on two inches, but, uh, what is two inches? I don't even know what that like really means. It's like a two inch, like reel to reel. Okay. It's a reel to reel tape basically. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Multi, uh, multi-track, like you had a bunch of tracks on 24-track. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, uh, so, yeah, so that's, you know, that's what it used to be, basically. And uh, But they made that transition over to Pro Tools. And, uh, you know, and I was like, I kind of made the transition earlier on, early on to Pro Tools and was doing that. But it was like in that, in that window there, like all these things happened. Napster, you know, digital uh all this all this different stuff so like the digital like allowed people to actually have a studio in their home and started to independent uh size basically the musician you know what i mean more people could afford to actually have a a digio one or whatever in their house and like record their own music and uh music studios started to like you know i mean it took some years i mean they still exist but you know it definitely affected that side of the music industry yeah. as well, you know, as far as uh, yeah, absolutely, a little bit of a shift of the shift of power. I, mean, I, had, I had released a project and Tower Records went bankrupt, and we lost like a ton of money. They were like a big, you know, a big portal for like reaching the consumer and selling a lot of, and that a lot of mom and pop smaller places all kind of took a hit as well. Oh yeah, uh, kind mm-hmm. of when that came out, and like it was like turmoil, you know what I mean, and. 98, 99, 2000 and stuff when I was like releasing projects, 2001. Wow. Uh, so the timing was just. Unfair. Yeah, my timing was bad. Like I had a whole stable full of artists and we'd done a ton of albums and uh, I'd actually invested a ton of money into just building a studio and, and recording a lot of albums. And then like all this kind of stuff happened with music. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. All, right at that point, it's kind, yeah, of, a that's crazy. kind of a weird time, you know? It's like buying a bunch of houses at like in 2007 or something, right? Or, yeah, yeah. you know, like yeah. it's just unfortunate time, you know, like. It's, yeah, same thing, you know, I mean, and then I actually, you know, had left the country in 2001, so yeah. I didn't get to release a lot of music. Um, but um, And really quickly, just for the audience, let's, because I, I know you've talked about this in other interviews, but like, let's just, I guess, establish this for the audience. Like, so you, you left the, the country, you know, because. Yeah, 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 no, I'd, uh. Yeah, I'd left the country in, uh, in 2001 uh, yeah. due to some like, legal issues there. Uh, you know, I was like, uh, basically, um, basically was on the run for like eight years, pretty much. And, uh, um, but yeah, so that's kind of like right when I had left, you know, I was like, uh, you know, so I, I wasn't able to release a bunch of projects that I want to release. So that being said, I am kind of getting ready to release a bunch of this old music. I mean, I've got like a vault of like basically old music that I'm going to release uh, like early okay. Bay yeah, early Bay Area hip hop, um, a ton of unreleased tracks. Um, San Quinn, shout out to San Quinn out of San Francisco, the Fillmore. Um, he's a super dope artist originally from the GLP and uh, super talented young brother from San Francisco that is, uh, you know, also one of those people who doesn't really get his just due as far as artists goes, real innovator and really made, made, uh, you know, made a lot of ways in the industry and affected the independent music game, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, 
Uh, you know, I got uh, some music from Doobie, yeah. aka Sugar Wolf, who's from the Crest Side, who's kind of uh, uh, from uh, Mac Dre's Mac yeah. Dre's camp. What what um, year would you what year would you like roughly what years would you say like that music is kind of from? Because what? Yeah, like '97 to 2001, basically. And, and then, what were the strains that are popping off at those times? the genetics that are popping off. I mean, you know, that was like my record label was Champelli Entertainment. So I was kind of like, we were kind of like the early forebearers of like, I mean, you know, I had Strain, I had the record label, you know, and I was doing clothing and uh, we were doing music that was basically, um, you know, a ton of artists were rapping about our, you know, my Strain at that time. Yeah, you got um, Snoop. You got you got everyone. I mean, it's it's uh, you got some of the, the biggest in in the world. And um, and sorry, I have like two things that pop in my mind. Which way I want to like? I, I was I was saying too, like maybe when you release this music, maybe we like release yeah. some like throwback genetics from that era or something with it. Yeah, I mean, that's the idea, you know. Basically, I mean, I've got a ton of different, you know, unreleased music. <laughs> uh, once again, you know, music from uh, Doobie, Gonzo. Uh, you know, even unreleased Mac Dre. Damn, you won. Uh, that's that's yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you know, but yeah, basically, you know, doing some some capsules there with some of this yeah. some of this music. So yeah, make sure everybody stays tuned with that and supports. Absolutely. Uh, supports those you know, that'll be coming out. Absolutely. Um, definitely. Uh, you know, uh, it's part of part of the history. Part of the history of the brand. You know what I mean? And I, I'm always been about you know, music and independent music and supporting independent artists, whether it's music or, you know, or just actual art. And, um, you know, uh, Champel is just one of those brands that's been just based and based in, in forged and just culture, basically, not, you know, just organically, whether it was music, clothing, uh, cannabis, skateboarding, uh, you name it. Like we've all, you know, kind of like touched all those, and been a part of all that all that kind of culture early early sort of stuff throughout the 90s and um a lot of know, contributions a lot of like like you're yeah, like you know, it's like you're we saying you know just like everything is subtle everybody has their hand in some sort of co contribution in the culture if you're kind of consciously doing that um well this is like a perfect example like this is the other so the, there's the two things i want to ask you the other and, thing you know, i want to ask like uh my bad. So the other thing I want to ask you is like, kind of, do you think that like burner could have not, to, I don't want to take anything from burner. Like, like, do you think burn, there, there is a burner without kind of a champelli and not, not to say like that, but more so like you're kind of like one of the first people to take music, cannabis, like clothing, which is the three pillars really of what, you know, burner did. And, and, and I don't want to frame it like that in, in that sense, but like, I personally think that, you know, People like you're like because you already said you're doing that in the '90s, like yeah, way ahead of your time, or you know, not not ahead yeah. of your time, but just like yeah, you know. And I mean, I was thinking at the time, you know, how could we actually brand the weed more and make packaging? I never got around to it because everything was so illegal, and we were just so under the you know under the radar and still, you know, still trying to trying to keep it cool, so to speak. And um, but you know, shout out to Burner, you know, a lot of respect for the guy. Uh, you know, that's the, that's the homie right there. And, you know, um, I look up to him and what he's doing now, you know what I mean? As far as leading the way, 
Okay. And, uh, you know what I mean? And uh, I'm all about giving him his, his, his flowers and what he's accomplished. You know what I mean? And uh, he's a big inspiration and, and, and paving the way for a lot of this industry to be taking its place right now, you know, and what it is today. Um, but, uh, you know, and I mean, to say there wouldn't have been a burner, you know, I mean, yeah, I want to say it like that, but you, you, yeah, know, I mean, you know, it's yeah. hard to say, but I mean, I don't want, you know, also at the same time, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna discount your contribution. You know, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not gonna even point to myself, but what I'll just say what other people did before, you know what I mean? Like I, I owe, I owe, you know, uh, something to the generation and the people that, you know, came before me, you know what I mean? So I'm quick to go ahead and pay respect and homage to those people that came before me and paved the way, you know what I mean? I 100%. think that's important. And, uh, you know what I mean? And, uh, wherever I can, wherever I can shed light and help out and, and, uh, and you know what I mean? Tell their stories. I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Cause that's just, uh, the way I think uh, we keep this culture alive and keep it thriving, it's important to give people their flowers and just do work, give credit where credit is due. Um, well, so, I want to give you your flowers too, bro, because you definitely, oh, in my opinion, yeah, yeah, I think you really did build the step for. Like, I think you know, I don't know, Bernard was like, I'm pretty sure you would. I mean, it, I think it's impossible to say that you didn't, because you know, and not to say specific, like you and you know, a couple of you know, whatever you're really one of the first to do it. Right. So, but you know, it, it, yeah, I think pay respects to the people that came before us. Cause it's, you know, like whether it's, you know, it's really anything in life. I mean, the trap, the trap is yeah, de developed. You know? So, yeah, you know what I mean? And, uh, I, you know, you know, I won't say it, but it's just, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you know, we had a unique movement, basically. Um, if I wouldn't have had to leave the country, you know, who knows how it would have turned out. You know, I mean, I had the record labels getting ready to release five, six different artists and just had built a studio and was just getting it all. My my ultimate vision back then was to create, you know, uh, basically some sort of powerhouse. You know, at that point, I didn't know whether, you know, as far as you know, people were talking about we legalization back then. I used to actually do a uh, deal with Dennis Perone. Mm -hmm. um, and he was a big, uh, rest in peace, Dennis Perone. But he was actually, you know, a big proponent and make taking big steps in legalization at that time. And uh, I used to go to his club and actually sell Dennis Perone weed. You know what I mean? I'd wow. bring, bring candles to his club and stuff like that. And, um, you know, so that's the super early 215 days or whatever, basically. Time, timing you know, is everything. Timing. timing yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, so those are interesting times. And, you know, like, uh, shout out to Dennis as far as his steps. And uh, Steve D'Angelo is another person who was back then who was around, you know, and, and uh, had to go through his share of, uh, you know, legal issues and, mm -hmm. and all types of stuff. And, uh, you know, somebody who, uh, who was still pushing for the culture, you know what I mean? And, um, and, you know, a lot of people are, are starting to, you know, you know, push for the culture burners, you know, is, is, is helping out in a lot of ways. And, you know, somebody out of the Bay area, I'm super proud of the dude to, you know, and what he's done in a con 
accomplished and helping out with equity shops and, and a lot of he's doing a lot of good work out there too you know what i mean uh, oh yeah he's getting ready to actually uh, he's doing a he's doing a collab with um my good friend's father uh richard delisi um, who just got out of prison after 32 years yeah, 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 yeah. 32 years for cannabis and uh you know burns kind of taking it upon himself to uh give the man help him out and give the man like a strain and build him a little cannabis line and do a drop with him and stuff like that and you know what i mean um, oh, yeah. and so that's super dope he's giving him his flowers and really you know that's, that's, that's super big uh, yeah. and, and that hundred million dollar fund too with the cookies university you know, yeah, like, yeah. I've, I've, I've like people that, you know, like, like, you know, little homies that watch, you know, not little homies, but like people, you know, I literally have my homies that, uh, I think 18 years old, I don't know what yeah. 18 years old. He got in the, or no, he's, he's, yeah, no, he's, he's like, <clears throat> he got in the program when he was like nine. I can't remember the exact, you know, who you, you know, who you are. Um, is the homie out in, uh, Lake Tahoe, um, just brilliant kid, really smart, really, really, um, you know, someone that's motivated, but, you know, he got into this program and, and now he's doing this, this, you know, um, that's you know, dope. That's super dope. Yeah. You know, so I think it's important moving forward that, you know, uh, people that are in position, find ways to give back to, you know, um, you know, the communities and stuff like that and make sure that, you know, uh, to, to pave the way for future generations of people who are interested in being in the industry still, and especially like, you know, um, people that have been affected by the laws and stuff like that, giving them, giving them the opportunity if they want to be in the, if they want to be in the space somehow and stuff, you know what I mean? So that's a, a super, super dope for people that are actually. Stuck, yeah. Know, those sort of things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, a- you know, that's something that's really, something that's really close to my heart is, you know, uh, prison reform and, uh, social justice and social equity and stuff like that. And just, just, you know, lending my voice, however I can help to try to, um, to further that cause, you know what I mean? And, um, and just being active in that space, however I can, um, just because I, I, it's something that's, that's definitely close to my heart is, is also just as being like, uh, a weed war veteran, so to speak, you know what I mean? Um, and being affected by it myself, the, the war on drugs in a sense. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, yeah, it's something I'm close to my heart. So I'm definitely, however I'm able to help or push the conversation forward or whatever, it's something that I'm definitely going to do when I have, uh, more resources. And even when I don't, I'm going to try to find ways to try to help. Oh yeah. Well, be, you know, be involved wherever I can. Absolutely, dude. I, I like, you know, you're obviously a really wise dude, a smart guy. That that kind of goes back to like you know understanding, respecting the elders, you know, respecting the, you know the sacrifices, yeah, yeah. you Indeed, know, yeah. um, you know, and it's and a lot of kids like a lot of kids my age, but like they don't understand some of those, you know what I mean? So, you know, I definitely want to make sure people are very clear, like, like yeah, all types. Yeah, of you know, and I mean, it's not like you know we're spoiled nowadays, like kids like us. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it is. It's a whole it's a whole new type of generation and a whole new day. You know, I mean, a lot of people have sacrificed to get, you know, and this goes to be said with just 
life in general and the way we live life, you know, we forget about like all the sacrifices people have made, you know, before us to get to where we're at. So not only with cannabis, but just in general life, giving thanks and being aware of those sort of things, you know what I mean? Is, uh, is key. You know what I mean? We take a lot of stuff for granted, basically, you know, I mean, uh, how do we get to this place now with uh, where it's a legal place? A lot of people went to jail. A lot of people suffered, you know, a lot of families were broken up. A lot of, a lot of stuff happened. A lot of people paid the price um, to get where we're at now. You know what I mean? As far as the cannabis industry goes. And uh, yeah, so it's important, you know, and I, you know, it's not one of those things like just victim playing the victim or just like guilt tripping or anything like that. I just think it's just should be just like a, a come the right thing to do. Humans. It's the right thing to do. You know what I mean? Just being aware of it and uh, you know, you know, so forth there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I lost this. I lost this light over here. Give me one second to just try to turn on this light. Yeah, yeah, no, no worries. No worries. Hundred percent. Okay. So I kind of. So this is kind of one of the more, like kind of last kind of you know kind of things I want like aspects I want to tackle. Um, not to say that you know ending it if there's other stuff as well I, th- I think there might be some other stuff but i want to talk about the flavors i want to talk about genetics you know I, i'm 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 just fascinated with what makes you know because first of all like you know the first cannabis brands ever were the strains they were like the un you know like they were the you know the unprotected you know brands they had you know anybody could take the name and you know and you know the name gets stomped on over the years because it gets abused and that's just you know then they move on to the next one but like i'm just fascinated with like the overall like what makes a, a strain pop off like you, you know like why are we in the runts era right now like why why were you know what i mean like why like why was there the champagne champelli era you know like like i guess start with that like what do you think really led to the champelli era because that's the 100 era you, you know? yeah you know that's a good question there honestly um and like that's like you know one of those cultural phenomena things like uh you know uh what sparks off any sort of little cultural phenomena like that where it's like a hit song or an era or a style or a, a trend or, a fa- or fashion or anything like that. It's, uh, you know, I got to see a lot of strains come and go, you know, from like the early days of, I literally started like being like heavily involved in, in like cannabis, like when I was like really more aware of it, basically when I was like, 12 years old basically I started really being kind of involved like when I first grew my first plants and everything was like in the in the late 80s um and you know there was names back then and and different growers and different strains and kind of just seeing all these different strains kind of come and go over the years and different kind of little hypes built you know around certain strains and a lot of it is like built on you know, the essence of that plant, you know what I mean? And those terpene profiles and the uniqueness. Uh, and then the breeder who kind of interprets that, right? Like, you know, because, because you yeah, know. When I, the, yeah. the culture, the circle and the people who were involved, like, you know, when you had the super killer weed, like everybody would like search you out and like hound you to try to get some weed, basically. You know what I mean? If you got the super 
like if you took all the weed away right now in, you know, in the United States and all there was was a runts or cookies or a champelli or whatever, you know what I mean? A Skittles, uh, you know, like one of those things, like people would be just like banging down your door to try to get <clears> stuff. You know what I mean? And, uh, and a lot of it is like, it's like not the same with like boof weed or a certain weed that doesn't excite you. A lot of it has to come down to like the excitement of the weed. It, it sparks a certain essence and actually has a certain type of magic and, and excitement to it. Like it gets you high. It gives you a certain type of energy. It has different components to it that, you know, each strain kind of gives you, you know, I mean, this is just one aspect of what fuels it. And a lot of it is comes down to like, being some fire ass weed you know what i mean like the kush the kush has had such a long haul and a long um you know run and influence basically all of the strains today as we're at right now as far as potency goes and flavor and all this stuff it's like almost 90 percent of like what's out there basically has kush in it and that kind of goes unmentioned and uh, people don't really talk about it, but Kush is kind of one of the secret ingredients that kind of reinfused power into a lot of these strains mm-hmm. and help fuel, um, you know, a lot of these brands modern, and modern strains. Modern day and kind of, mm-hmm. Because Kush initially, Kush is actually, there was a point when a lot of good strains and weed like disappeared, you know what I mean? Honestly. Uh, what what do you mean disappear? Like, were they, were they like, Cause, cause, Just from, yeah, yeah the, the transition from the 80s to the 90s and there on, like a lot of stuff, you know, since stuff was so underground and not a lot of stuff was like preserved, it was so illegal, nobody was like doing, there wasn't as many, people weren't cloning and maintaining clones and seeding and genetic. I mean, people were, but just on such a small scale and so temporarily, not like now where it's like an ongoing effort to keep stuff alive. Back then, people didn't have the foresight to, like, try to keep shit alive for years and years. There was a, some OGs that did that and, like, wow, this strain for fucking 10 years. But it's, like, they're, like, dead and gone. And other people, you know, they... And then other people manipulate that. And they're, like, oh, I got these strains from this OG. You know, like, well, And then, so this is, I guess, my question now is, like, you know, you're talking a lot about, like, the true biology of it. Like, the true, like, the, yeah. the, the effects of it. Do you... Do you think that that still matters as much now? And then like, there's the other component of like the brand side now where now, because it's so, you know, it's, it's not as, you know, like it's, you know, it's accessible. It's not so suppressed by it being super illegal. You know, now you have kind of the opposite of like, you know, fake packaging, right. Where like people are now the, the packaging is the brand because really. Yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. Until, until, the consumer gets educated basically and people's palates evolve. Uh, you know, initially it's, you know, just to use this as an example, it's like for a while, like people were smoking hot dog water out of vapor carts and now they want sauce carts or live, you know, live rosin or, you know what I mean? People's palates evolve. They start off smoking Mexican, you know, back in the day there used to be, Bammer weed, straight Mexican with seeds and sticks and you know what I mean? Uh, and now it's evolved, you know, and I mean, there used to be good weed too, but I'm just saying like people used to smoke that like 
you know, a ton. Now, like, people won't touch it. And it's just like people's palates evolve and the culture evolves. So people, like, actually get hit and want to try something new or they try something new and they're like, damn, after that, they can't go back to another product. You know what I mean? So it's going to take some time, but eventually what's going to happen and to give you some insight is like my overview of what's kind of really happening is like, it's coming to a head as far as like, there's so much scale happening right now in the industry, people scaling up and so much shitty weed being grown that it's going to come to a head here. And anyway, and it's going to, you know, there's vast amounts of just new consumers and people who don't care, who want cheap weed, and it's going to all get eaten up and sold to an extent. But it's going to be such a glut, which is already happening in the market, of just shittier weed. Eventually, people are going to, you know, want to try new flavors, get tired of shitty weed, want better weed, willing to spend a little more, discover some new flavors. And this is only going to be a percentage of people obviously there's people who are going to smoke shitty weed and not care forever yeah. also just because of their budget or they don't want to get so high or just they enjoy it or whatever but eventually you know the market is going to there's a lot of people there's going to be a lot of companies failing and a lot of people not going to make it uh and, and a lot of that will be based on genetics and how well you're growing your weed you know what i mean 100 um, yeah well so, and, and i think well i think was you know I think you're, I think you're right. And then I think though, like, let's now like just talk about the upper echelons of quality and like, it's, it's all good weed. Now I think it's, this is where genetics is kind of, this is kind of, I guess where I kind of mean is like the kind of news, not new school, but like the, if it's all, if it's all high quality, if it's all really like, let's say, you know, the top shelf, you know, light depths and, you know, whatever, it's all top shelf. Right now, like from that point, that's where I see, you know, people starting to, you know, they put some good weed and they're calling, you know, maybe it's some, you know, maybe it's a July, like a, you know, July 41 or whatever, but it's but now they're calling it like the run, you know, pink run, you know what I mean? So they're well, high. Yeah. Yeah. What's going to eventually have to happen here is eventually the playing field will even out. Everybody's going to start to have to grow better weed if they want to survive as a company and as a brand eventually, you know, down the line, not everybody, but a lot of people are going to, evolve they're going to get better genetics uh people are going to come for like the company the brand rather than the the strain so now yeah so getting a red around to that uh yeah you kind of got uh, beat me to the point there is eventually it will be about your brand story a lot you know and people will they read would this brand really resonate with you you know what i mean and um is this some us, uh, you know, somebody I believe in, or is this, you know, is this my tribe, or you know, something I can relate to, or you know what I mean? Like, what does this person stand for? What is this person in it for? Is this a brand that I believe in or want to support? And people will start taking a closer look at that once, say, the playing field is evened out, everybody's growing good weed. Then it also becomes a, you know you know, a genetics thing and also a brand, brand thing. equity, you know I mean? brand it's equity, a brand thing. And, you know, and that's kind of like where, you know, um, you know, people will take notice eventually because it's going to be like, yeah, there's the brands out there where it's like, you know, 10 white guys came together and made a corporation and came up with like 
some kind of it doesn't have to be white guys i'm just saying you know, ten, just, 10 squares that that yeah ten, whatever 10 guys come together and come up and let's call it the fucking whatever this and that and the green the green the green yeah dude something yeah, yeah green, some of that whatever, just... you know what i mean and it, <laughs> it's a million and one of those out there right now you know what i mean and i hate to say it but uh there's gonna come a point where and you know i'm not wishing you know anybody's downfall but it's gonna it's gonna there's so much of that. It's like, how are you going to, you know, define yourself as a brand and who are you, who are you really? You know what I mean? And what yeah, you 100%. Well, it's what's like, how, how are people going to identify with it? Like, yeah. yeah. What's your actual story? You know what I mean? Is there an actual story and people that actually have a story? Um, I think, you know, and maybe a person who you could point to such as like a burner or something like that, are going to, you know, and obviously stand out or fare a little better, you know what I mean, than others. Just, yeah, or a Champelli, you know, like that, like, like I, I think, because you, I've, another, another interviews, you've talked about the importance of brand and, and you like, you know, just that long game. And, and you know, I, I, I think, I, I think the best is yet to come for, for you, dude. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, not to give up all my, to give up all my strategy and where I'm going with it, but eventually, you know, we're, you know, as a brand, like, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm really, you know, heavily invested and in, immersed in, you know, the culture of my brand and what it represents and what I want to eventually carve it out to stand for and, and, you know, and also where it's come from and everything. And I'm just, getting ready to kind of telegraph that message to consumer and the people and everything and, um, and shaping that and how people view your brand and your story and everything. And that's kind of like what, uh, and, and it's not a, it's not a, you know, something that's a fabricated thing. It's something that's actually coming from my heart and from the culture, uh, it's... The culture itself, you know what I mean? And it's like, I didn't, I didn't give myself, you know, the name. It's like the streets gave me the culture. Name. <laughs> That's fire. You know, like, and, uh, and so yeah. it's like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't even have to try too hard. It just comes naturally because it's something I've been living and breathing for, you know, I've been, you know, 35 years in the weed game, basically, so to speak, you know, and seen so much stuff, ups and downs, and all arounds and everything. You know what I mean? So I'm just uh you know, like you say, playing the long game and uh, and just working towards uh, doing what's in my heart and what I believe in and trying to just really, you know, um, you know, make change ultimately. Because if I had all the money in the world, like, what would I do? I'd ultimately want to affect change and make pod be, you know, make a positive impact on this world and life and even this industry and this culture, you know what I mean? So that's ultimately what I'm about. And what my I want my brand to stand for, and uh, and who I want to attract to the brand. Like, not everybody's got to smoke the best weed or be, you know, aligned with my message. But I mean, ultimately, I do have a certain uh, brand message and culture that I'm going to want to translate in and for people to identify with. You know what I mean? And yeah. attract. You know well, I think I mean? people already do. I mean, you know, I think because I, I tons of like, you know, I have like homies in New York. Like, I know ton, like tons of people have mentioned you to me like you, you definitely like 
Like I know for a fact, and this is kind of goes back to the brand and like the whole idea of consumerism, like what we buy is what we're showing to the rest of the world, what we identify with. Like I know yeah. for a fact, like I want to hold up a Champelli bag or I want to be wearing a Champelli shirt or I want to be smoking some Champelli, you know, you know some, some Champelli weed or I want to be listening to some Champelli music, you know, per, like personally. And I, th- I think a lot of people can, uh, would attest to that. Now, are they going to do want to, you know, be like, yo, what's popping? I got the I got the True Leaf pack. I got the Canopy Growth pack. <laughs> brand like right there dude it's it's no it's it's like it's like I've, I've kind of like boiled it well, down i appreciate it yeah yeah literally dude because I, I yeah because it's like i want to be repping your like that's that, that's why clothing is so i think powerful is like you know it's much harder like be like you know constantly be like yo i got the cookies pack i got the the pelly pack like to sing to the, everyone the rest of the world right but clothing is something that everyone sees all the time so you're, you know, always getting that message out, right? That's why I got, you know, the Gucci belt, you're trying to tell the world, oh, I'm rich as fuck or blah, blah, right? Like, you know, I got the cookies, you know, I got the cookie sweat, like that, 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 that. And I think, you know, the Champelli clothes, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think, you know, I, yeah, I've just, I, I've learned so much about brand just through cannabis, just through like the yeah. last years of just studying this. Like that, everything. that being said, like coming back around to the clothing, um, you know, it's something that I'm passionate about is, you know, creating and, uh, you know, expressing myself artistically. And one of the ways that I, I enjoy doing it is through clothing and designing my own clothes. And, uh, uh, you know, lately it's been initially it's kind of been just the staple things like T-shirts and sweatshirts and things like that uh, that we've been putting out there. But I, behind the scenes, I've been working on actual cut and sew pieces that I believe in and want to wear and stuff like that. So for example, like, um, I got, you know, my, actually the jacket I'm wearing is a jacket that I designed. Fire as fuck, dude. Um, you know, in, in the whole aesthetic, just even the logo and everything, it's like I had a hand in everything. And even the fabric we're using is all upcycled. Um, from a warehouse, the original people that sew, uh, that put this jacket together and sewed the jacket, um, they used to do North Face before uh, they really took off. They used to sew all, all North Face stuff and North Face went off and started producing in other places. But this is actually a company um, here based in the United States and I was actually blessed enough to be able to source um, all the fabric from them that they had wow. still in their storage. So it's all upcycled fabric. So it's actually, you know, very green and sustainable in a sense. We're using fabric that exists still and we're putting it back to use and it's new fabric, but we're not, you know, we're, we're basically recycling in a sense, you know, instead of it going to waste and just sitting, we're using that. So everything is very retro from the fabric to mm-hmm. the zipper to everything, you know what I mean? It's high quality uh, too. And, and yeah, high quality and just trying to find a made in the United States and every piece is one of a kind and just trying to find a way to uh, to make pieces that are uh, unique and uh, and also just try to move towards more sustainability, you know what I mean? As far as, and I'm not going to be able to do that every time on everything, but wherever I can find a way to like reduce you know, the company's footprint or our footprint as humans here. Uh, Cause it's like the clothing is like a big, you know, a big draw. Clothing is a huge draw on our environment and just trying to find more ways to be, uh, you know, conscientious of that. 
whether it's in our clothing or eventually moving towards, you know, sustainable packaging that is, you know, actually, uh, you know, biodegradable, all things that we want to try to move towards as, as a company, at least personally, you know what I mean? Just because of my own just beliefs and where I think, you know, we should take it, you know, but, uh, but yeah, the clothing is like, uh, you know, I'm super passionate about it. Um, I'm actually getting ready to do um, just kind of preparing a few more things, but we're going to get ready to do a drop of, uh, of four different jackets of four different oh, colorways yeah. coming up, you know, and, uh, and just in more frequent stuff, you know, just having more frequency to the clothing and uh, it's something that I'm super passionate about. And, and like you said, uh, uh, something I want people to identify with uh, Champelli as a brand and as an aspect of the brand is like clothing. And it's been something that's been integral to the brand since day one and something I'm super passionate about. Uh, always been kind of fashion minded. And, uh, and just, I want to ultimately, I just want to kind of make pieces that are pieces that are like, you know, your favorite piece that you want to wear every day. You know? Absolutely. Dude. Like, oh, you know, something you're like, damn, I always want to reach towards that one jacket when I go out, that's like the jacket I want to put on. It's the most comfortable, the most swaggiest. That's like the one where I'm like, damn, I, I you know, I always find myself. So I want to make, you know, those favorite pieces because I struggle when I go out to shop and everything. Like there's a lot of garbage and just mm-hmm. shitty stuff out there. You know what I mean? Not everybody has the eye or the aesthetic to make dope shit. So I want to make stuff that people are drawn towards and are like, damn, I really, you know, can identify with the design. Your design, by the way, and I know like all today, I was like, I for people listening, I literally text this guy probably like three or four different times throughout the day, just looking at like, like, bro, you're, you're, you're aesthetic, you're a bit like, because I, I think personally, your aesthetic of the brand and just the different concepts you've done, like, it's my favorite out of anyone in the industry. And like, we're talking like at this point now, if you include the illegal market, like, so many people are taking cracks at this right now. And there's so much like, but just in terms of just the, the 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 overall just high quality clean it's uh, I, I just i love your aesthetics your design it's 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 I super appreciate cool. that my brother that means a lot that means yeah. a lot uh, to me coming from you uh you know what i mean and uh man i really appreciate that i hope we can kind of keep that up and keep mm-hmm. delivering on that front and and you know i have to just like uh you know um you know i think i owe the, a lot of that to just you know my Bay Area upbringing and then my father being an artist and kind of just just picking up just aesthetics and, you know, and then having kind of honing your eye. And like you can literally just for people that want to or doing any of this sort of thing themselves, like you can just train your eye and hone your yeah. eye to stuff, you know what I mean? And a lot of it, it's like, you know, I work with um, I work with a few designers that like if I turn them loose and said, Hey, go make this logo or do this. Like it's not going to come back the way that I want it to come back. If I just turned them loose and just was like, yeah, make something, you know what I mean? It's like, I have to be like integrally involved. And I've kind of always been that way as far as hands-on goes, like whether it's the music, I notice, I start to notice like my involvement, um, you know what I mean? Affects the outcome. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, whether I'm making a song, I'm in the studio and I'm working with the artist as a producer, it's going to turn out a certain way. Um, you know, it's open to interpretation, but from my own perspective, you know what I mean? Like 
um, you know, I'm very like hit orientated. Like I want it to be a hit. I want it to be like something that's dope. You know what I mean? Whether it's clothing, whether it's some fire ass weed, like, you know, I'm going to use my, my old school palette and draw back on all my old school knowledge of strains and flavors that I've tasted to be like, damn, this is reminds me of some old school stuff that was excited me or whatever. And comes back to like driving the essence of a brand and the essence of what gets people excited in culture, whether it's music or fashion or cannabis is like being on the pulse and being in touch with that and sensitive to those kind of things, I guess, in so many ways to put it in, you know, into words there kind of. So Absolutely. like definitely just, you know, just like, you know, if like, just once again, you know, I turn somebody loose and tell them, Hey, come back with a logo. It's not going to, I really have to be there and like almost like hand guide people yeah. to get the results that I want. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. I'm very involved, like with the aesthetics and the designs and um, just kind of like hands on to get the, to get what I want. And, and you know, and it's like, I, even if they're like, you know, I've also like directed a lot of videos in the past and stuff like that. And if it's like, I like give, if I direct and shoot a video and I give it to an editor, I'm not going to get the same result if I'm like I edited it myself. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like I've tried it a few times. Like, but there are people who do get your aesthetic as far as creatively in a brand and finding people and attracting people like that that have your your same vision or your same eye and your own, you know, your thing like it's, that. And there are people do. Yeah, those finding those people. That's the goal as you build as a brand is to attract more like-minded people that can build with you and have the same vision and see your vision. And cause it's like, ultimately I can't do it all by myself. Eventually I have to learn to let go and let other people help and, you know, and start to be more interdependent and, you know, and uh, delegate, you know what I mean? So I'm, you know, as far as like, uh, you know, trying to grow as a brand and stuff like that, um, trying to attract more talented people that uh that share their vision those, but it's so hard to find you know share find the vision and, and be on point to where you can turn them loose and they're going to come back with some shit that's going to surprise you and be doper and you're going to be like damn okay that just one up to my level of what i would have even done you know what i mean and that's the shit that excites me if i go to a restaurant like i love to cook too i'm passionate about food about food and if I go to a restaurant and I'm like, damn, I couldn't cook that at home. Like, how did he make that? And it gets me thinking and I'm like trying to dissect the flavors and, and stuff like that. Like, that's like, you know, what I, I, I like, I like when either whether it's in food or in clothing or in music, I'm like trying to dissect the beat or I'm trying to dissect a strain or like, you know, or look at some clothing stuff and be inspired or whatever it is you know it's like that's how life is or a meal you know what i mean and it's kind of like just having that mind that works that way you know what i mean in a sense and you can kind of apply that formula to anything that you're involved in and that you're passionate about essentially you know what i mean like getting involved and really hands-on in the art and what you're really you know what you're passionate about and absolutely uh, dude absolutely involved. yeah and let i think that was beautiful like beautifully said too because it's like you know you know i started i started doing like video work like two years ago maybe and and just you know like just the more you do it it's obviously just the more you you know and if you have if you're kind of that you know that personality kind of build it continuously you know build and and um i can tell you're heavily involved and and, it, and it's super impressive dude like i i love i aspire personally one day you know to get, get you know 
get to that point of, you know, where you, you know, cause you know, I'm still working on a lot of different things from, um, for myself or it's a little messy on some parts, but you know, you know, man, it's all about, the, it's all about the process and, you know, and trusting that process and just working through it. And everything is like, don't be afraid to learn, you know what yeah. I mean? Don't be afraid to try things is what I find too, you know, and don't be afraid to like put it out there and just grow, you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm like trying to grow and learn. And I mean, sometimes I'll overanalyze stuff and it's like, you know, um, you know, you got to just trust the process and go in and, and express yourself and put that stuff out there. You know what I mean? Don't be afraid. Like, yeah, don't be afraid to look stupid. Don't be afraid, like, that's my biggest benefit. I'm not the smartest person at whatsoever. I'm not, I'm not particularly, you know, exceptional, you know, in, in really, but I'm not afraid to look stupid. And I'm also, but I'm not trying to make mistakes multiple times. You know, same yeah. mistake. But I, my whole mentality is like the higher volume of different mistakes I make, and I'm not trying, you know, I, hopefully I'm not repeating those. That's just literally me learning, right? That's literally yeah, like me proving. Uh, learning process, you know what I mean? And it's like interesting. I look at, you know, I kind of like how, you know, being in that, kind of like quote unquote counterculture all my focus has been in like you know over the years has been in like learning about cannabis and the plant in a way you know what I mean for so many years and like I've been prepared to this point I've been like almost just like a soldier of the game to where it's like I've just like been in the trenches all the way to come up to this point you know what I mean to try to like do my thing in a sense, you know what I mean? It's like a, you know, it's been like a mythological sort of journey of like, you know, having to go through the valleys of darkness and to come up to the light here and uh, conquer the, you know, slay the dragon or whatever, in a sense, I have to, you know, but it's like, I've acquired all these skills, whether it was like, you know, my early days of, you know, photography, uh, you know, and, in high school and before that like I've always been attracted to photography and honing my eye that way or video stuff or just like clothing things and then you know cannabis and, and cultivation and uh, you know just all the aspects of the business and then like doing that for so many years and just creating all these layers of yourself and building it you know and then you kind of like you get to a point you know um, refined you know, like, all these yeah. different understandings and different levels of experience you know it's a trip 100% let me ask I ask you a question um would you potentially be down to do a really limited edition little collab on on a on a design for some some clothing for for high design for my so my vault so my concept and i'm just i'm curious so for my for my volume two kind of collection for high design i'm gonna have like 20 different collabs with different companies Excellent. um and just like really limited limited supply like you know just like 50 piece yeah. or like this and then just keep it at that with you know this company and and that's just isolated to that collection so yeah that's a great idea man and i support you you know however i can in your endeavors man i'm i'm inspired by your you know drive and what you're creating there too you know what i mean and uh the creators got to stick together in a way you know what i mean and, and I, I'm, I'm in full support so however i can help i'm down you know yeah. i'll talk to you yeah i'll talk yeah. to you around in the future and, uh, yeah. come up with some stuff for sure i'll be dope absolutely i'd be honored dude that'd, that'd be that'd be that'd be amazing dude um sure. yeah man yeah and you know i think um 
I just can't try to kind of conclude this, man. I just want to say thank you, first of all, just for your contribution, you know, do like you really have, you know, especially just talk, you know, uh, just from seeing it, but like just talking to you now, it's like you really have contributed a lot to this culture. And and I know you, you're a humble ass dude and, and you're, 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 but like, dude, you've contributed massive amounts and we should all give you, you know, your flowers, uh, you know, because you know dude, there's not you know you're you're og that like really was fucking so far ahead of your time dude like when it comes to the, the, the like like almost to a to a fault right like like you were so ahead of your time at the timing wise right like this to like but like you know people observe that you know people you know and you know who you know who not like and, you know i could just only hope to kind of like be an inspiration to people and, and i'm trying to inspire myself and, and be inspired by others and just keep learning and growing. And, you know, and I'm just, I feel just blessed to be able to be here to like do what I'm doing still, you know what I mean? And so many others that are just not here with us now. And I, I feel like I got to do it for, do it for the Bay, do it for Mac Dre, you know what I mean? Do it for the Chaka, you know what I mean? And these are just people who are all, you know, people that, you know, we would know and who are super talented folks. And then there's so many unnamed people who are, you know, also, you know, interesting, beautiful souls that had a story that we got to do it for, too. You know, I mean, we always focus on the star, uh, you know, the stars. And of course, you know, they, you know, I mean, I'm all for that. But I also like even the un, unsung heroes, too. You know what I mean? We got to do it for them and mm-hmm. and just all the people that maybe, you know that are alive too. You know what I mean? We just got all, we all got to like, you know, uh, do our thing basically, you know what I mean? And try to live to our fullest potential. And man, I appreciate, I appreciate everything that you said, you know what I mean? And it's much love. And, um, and uh, yeah, I just want to, uh, I'm motivated by people like yourself and just the community itself. And I want to be able to give back and inspire others and uh, hopefully through my own journey and everything, you know what I mean? And, uh, I'm still trying to learn and make it out here myself too, you know, just like everybody else. So, um, you know, uh, I'm just, you know, trying, trying to do it, you know I mean? Just like everyone else out here right now. I think that's kind of a big component to you. Why like your longevity in a sense is you, you realize you're, you don't stop learning until the day you die like that. Anybody, yeah, really yeah. you know, you're constantly improving, you know, you're con- you know, you know, just because, you know, that, that, yeah, just being open to learning and especially, you know, all you get people, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't have that ability, you know, what's impressive. Yeah, that's like, You know, that's honestly one of uh, the secrets, you know what I mean? I feel like, uh, and I'm sure a lot of like Zen teachers would like, you know, basically, uh, you know, spread that same message or not, but it would be like, you know, you got to be able to learn from everybody and be open to it and not be rigid or stuck in your own, you know, part of my, you know, philosophy basically is to just, you know, in a sense, move like water and be able to be fluid and accept other people's, you know, perspectives and be, see things from other ways and be able to be able to move, uh, you know, accordingly and not, don't be rigid or so stuck in certain thoughts. Cause nowadays, honestly, there's so many different 
ways to look at things and approach things. And it's like, you never really know. So as soon as you claim that, you know, anything, it's like, you don't you know really nothing, know. you know, nothing. Yeah. It's everything. You know I mean, so, and that's like super true. And then, and also, you know what I mean? It's like, now we're bombarded with so much shit from so many different angles. You know what I mean? Five different, you have to really, it's hard really to sift through it now. We have to really sift through it. You have to, you know, get in touch with five or six different things and really dig into them before you can really form your own opinion or really just have that knowing inside, like that neutral knowing, not just some bias knowing that you may be Yeah, like your gut, you know what I mean? What your heart really tells you. And not just like what your, you know, what your ego is telling you or what the media is telling you or what, you know, your friends are telling you. You got to really, you know, be really not afraid to be afraid to uh, form your own opinion and uh, and, uh, you know, stand up for others that don't have a voice. You know what I mean? And and, uh, and yeah, just be really aware and question everything. You know what I mean? Pretty much. And like question everything that you believe. You know what I mean? Like think it over yes. 10 different yes. ways, thinking from other people's perspectives. You know what I mean? Because I think you know, more like mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no critical thinking now and everybody just kind of goes along, you know, and this is like, I'm kind of more of an anarchist, honestly. So I'm not, you know, picking any side. I just try to pick the neutral middle ground road in a sense. And, you know, and not like, and when I say anarchist, I don't mean even like in this modern day sense. I mean more of just like, I'm in a neutral space and I take things as they come and make my decision as they go, you know, so Absolutely. it's like, I'm not really, you know, you're not I'm letting not biases, sides. Yeah, like, blind you. Like you're not letting yeah, like the, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, exactly. you know what I mean? So that's just as another just, you know, thing I would like to just, you know, pass along to people cuz everybody's like now everything is just so, you know, team based and divided and everything like that. You know what I mean? And I feel like we're just so influenced by all this stuff outside of us and we don't even really know what we're supposed to feel or think on the end or we're not listening enough closely to ourselves you know what i mean we're just kind of going along with you know fear of what people might think if we disagree or you know or whatever so it's just it's important to be in touch and and stand up and uh and make sure you just listen a little closer and uh you know question question stuff you know don't stop questioning everything even things you believe in you know what i mean so absolutely man dude no literally bro like some of the, the like so, some of the wisest words I, i've heard in quite some time like and it's uh, in today's era like you said dude we need that so badly we need mm-hmm. to you know we need to we need for example like we need to you know if you're in a political party we need to criticize our own we need to criticize our you know like take accountability and, and you know but it's people's you know whether it's competition or just a pure hatred for another side or division you know they let those things blind you know people people just get blinded by it and and it's it's so evident like like you're trying to tell somebody something and they just you could literally show them like physical like this is actually happening in front of you and they would tell you no like because yeah you know and uh it's you know yeah just not allowing yourself to get blinded And, and you know it's like and it's just a tool that's being used more and more now is, you know, the dividing conquer. Oh, dividing The rich do that. Oh, I'm, we need to be class. Why, why the culture war? Like I'm, I'm a political junkie, dude. And like, I, yeah. I've been seeing this for a while now, dude. Like literally dude, the culture wars are used by the rich completely because once we stop hating our brothers and sisters on this level and we start to really like, you know, like, Hey, 
you know, we can get along. We, you know, we may disagree, but we can get along. Like, let's make some, let's, let's, let's do what we can do, what we agree on. Then we start to look yeah. upwards and we're seeing that donor class. We're seeing, you know, the, the aristocracy, you know, aristocracy that have been completely, you know, doing that, you know, that's why, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, like, people of color have absolutely been disproportionately affected by the war on drugs 100%, but it also lower, you know, low income communities really. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, in general too. So, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a class thing really dude. And and, and we're hitting, we're hitting a waypoint just with our, the pendulum is supposed to swing back and forth. And the fact that we've let now the corporations run the show, like our politicians don't run the show. They're the, they're the bitches and lapdogs of the corporations. They do what they do. They should be technically our bitches and lapdogs, you know, not to say it like that, but they should be listening to us, the people. And now that pendulum's stuck there and that pressure cooker is boiling up and hopefully it doesn't, you know, turn into a explosion of a, re- of a re- revolution. But I don't know. Anyway, we don't, we don't need to go down that, uh, that route. But uh, yeah, man. Well, I, hey, I just wanted to say, dude, thank you again. I'd uh, love to have you back on. Um, we're going to be doing some some high design content um, for anybody that's interested. I'm, I'm, we're going to be definitely doing some more content um, in the future. And so I but oh, just wanted yeah. to say, yeah, I thank you. Brother, for sure, man. I appreciate you for sure for, you know, having me on and sharing your platform with me. You know what I mean? And, uh, and everything that you're doing for the culture, you know what I mean? And helping, uh, keep the culture alive and spreading the word and, you know, doing your part and everything is, uh, is super dope. I, uh, I've been following what you've been doing for a while and seeing the movement and it's all super dope and super creative and I'm all about it. Man. So however I can help, and, you know, whatever, you know, and definitely we're going to keep building, you know, on a few different levels and um, for sure, man. Well, dude, that, that means the world, that means a lot, you know, coming from you. So I, I do really appreciate that. Um, and, and you know, people, you know, people like you do, you, you inspire the hell out of me. So, you, you know, I think, yeah, dude, it's all a lot, a lot. We can all, we, you can learn from everything, like you said. And, and you know, anyway, um, but yeah, dude, really, really great conversation. It is a little, a little 1.30 a.m. Um, but man, I, I definitely want to have you on back on, soon, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the near future, you know, whenever you want to use my platform, you just hit me up. Yeah, well, I appreciate um, yeah, of course, dude. Of course, dude. I gotta pay respect to the OGs, you know. Uh, and you're you're an OG for me personally, and um, just yeah, absolutely, bro. Anyways, guys, yeah. Keep you sorry. Keep going. Oh no, just say yeah. We'll definitely have to tap in. I'm looking to uh, you know, uh, you know, like really do another big push with the brand here coming up. So we'll definitely, you know. I want to. I'll. I want to talk to you about something after this recording. But anyways, I want to just say everyone for that's watched it all the way through really appreciate you guys for making it through hope you guys learned something or hope you know add some value and and uh i, I know i learned a ton um because pelly was absolutely dropping truth bombs a lot of a lot of wisdom i heard so but guys this is the frame of flower podcast a high design show um Thank you again, Pelly. Much, much love. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you, everybody else out there, too, for sticking through this one. You know what I mean? If you made it to the end, like you said. Hell yeah. <laughs> I think there's some, I think, I think we're under, I think there's some, I think there's some absolute fire in this, this podcast, but anyways, guys, this is uh, episode 48, The Frame of Flower, High Design, Champelli. Yeet. Yeet, yeet, yeet.
Yeah, I'm poppin' and I roll, ayy Smoke my shit, yeah, I'm so, ayy I don't really get no fucks, I roll, ayy